Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the cutting room floor. I am Dom. I am Jamie. And today we are going to be discussing some classic Western films. Three in particular. We're going to discuss The Searchers, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and Tombstone. And we're doing these three films for a reason. And as we go over them, break them down, we'll point out the differences and similarities for you. Um, these three films are considered some of the best Westerns ever made. And I personally think that they are some of the best Westerns ever made. And a lot of people have their gripes with, you know, these films for one reason or another. I think Tombstone is kind of undeniable, even though we'll talk about it when we get there. But I think Tombstone is a little bit undeniable. But people do have their problems with the good, the bad. People have their problems with the searchers. But overall, I think they're undeniable as films. So before we get into that, though. We got to discuss some stuff we watched this week. So, Jamie, anything you watch that was good this week besides what we're discussing? You know what? I, uh, I've i really just been watching a, a British show called Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which takes place around the time the Tombstone takes place, in like oh, okay. 1882, but it's in England. You love your period. Yes, pieces. yes. I, I honestly, I do. Cause see, my wife loves like Sherlock Holmes kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, like any kind of uh, Victorian era detective story, we usually end up uh, watching and assessing and evaluating. And that's the the newest one. It's on like PBS Passport, so you can PBS Passport. Yeah, okay. if you if you uh, to subscribe to it, you basically just have to pledge like a minimum of maybe like five dollars to PBS, so then like they continue to get funding for public broadcasting. Oh, so you just make a donation and they let you have the subscription. Yeah, it's so it's like five bucks a month, and you get uh, unlimited access to shows and like all three seasons of Miss Scarlet. I can't even talk. Miss Scarlet and the Duke are on there, and you can watch all the episodes. And it's only like five bucks a month. There's a lot of other things on there. We just watched a, a mini documentary about the first trained EMT paramedics in the United States out of Pittsburgh. Wow. Called uh, Freedom House Ambulance. Freedom and House Ambulance. It's it's incredible. The first one out of Pittsburgh, out of, like ever, or just out of Pittsburgh? It, it was the first one where the EMTs and the paramedics were actually trained to do like ER stuff on the street. Oh, so they were just winging it before. I, I guess they were. What based on the documentary, it was basically like cops would just throw people in the paddy wag wagon and take them to the hospital. Oh, and they probably die a lot. Yeah, appar <laughs> apparently they they did, and I know that's shocking because it it was apparently without bullets being fired, and and the police were killing them. But the the thing is like. A few doctors, including the guy who created a CPR, because he was a doctor at one of the hospitals in Pittsburgh at the time, they trained these uh, unemployable uh, brown men, let's say, and women <laughs> at the time to to do these things. But they had so much 
training like extensive like 300 hours of training and all these things wow and they like the first people to like intubate on the street and they would do lines and do all these crazy things that now we probably take for granted but they were the first it's a really good documentary on pbs passport actually just watched that earlier today nice all right yeah well guys pbs passport if you're interested in pbs programs my man here don't let him (laughs) fool you he tries to put it on his wife but he loves period pieces costume dramas it's his favorite don't let him fool you the superhero stuff that's secondary trust me well believe it or not superheroes they put on costumes that you know what He's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's always been obsessed yes, with costumes. Always, always. I guess it makes sense now. <laughs> How about you? What have you watched this week? Oh, man. I watched I watched some good stuff last night. You know, oh, Wednesday's it's Wednesday. my night. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I watched the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie from 92. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Rucker Hauer. Yep. Luke Christy Perry. Swanson. Christy Swanson. Yeah, Who Luke was, Perry. Bro, she's freaking hot, man. <laughs> I didn't realize how good looking she was. And I was like, dang, that girl is cute. And then I pulled her up and she looks great still. She's 53, still yeah. looking good. I was like, it was fun. Fun little movie. You know, it wasn't, you know, it didn't blow my socks off or yeah. anything. But of course, I don't know how or what made Donald Sutherland want to do that movie because, like, obviously his acting caliber is far <laughs> ahead of that film yes yes but, uh, you know you got a young david arquette in there oh too. that's right yeah, he was in there of, get a quick cameo from a young ben affleck wow so yeah hillary swank some people in there man wow. yeah it was decent though and, you know and look it spawned the series without that movie yeah, being a flop yeah. well yeah because i guess <laughs> joss whedon was like Oh, uh, this isn't what I had in mind for this. And yeah. then, he, you know, he came up with the show, which is, you know, obviously everyone loved. But yeah, that was pretty good. Then I checked out um the big I'm I'm not gonna discuss this. This is my streaming recommendation. So I'll talk about this one when we do our streaming recommendations. But then I um I watched Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, the first the first one. one. Wow. Um I hadn't seen it since I was probably like five or six wow. and i didn't remember any of it but it was great it's fun like classic eddie murphy i miss i miss those old 80s eddie murphy movies he was great so that was a good one but then i watched something crazy man you, you gotta you gotta check out the fountain bro oh eddie yeah you were yeah so good man so is it the one with uh hugh jackman hugh jackman and okay. then, uh, rachel weiss yeah, yes it's, it's great it's great i I love Aronofsky. I know he's an acquired taste, but honestly, he blows me away every everything I see from. Him. Still got to watch the whale, man. That's, I do. I do. Tear in your eye, real quick. I do love Brendan Fraser. He's, but I love him because of, well, you know, obviously his acting career. The first two Mummy movies. Oh yeah, banging. I, I didn't see the third one. That's why I say the first two. You don't need it. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, he is Robot Man or the voice of Robot Man in Doom Patrol. Yeah, I know he's getting there. Just his voice, man, because he's, you know, it's an emotionless robot, but he adds so much emotion to it without it even, it's crazy. He's amazing, bro. He's, I think he's far more talented than people realized back in the late 90s, early 2000s when he was doing all the blockbusters. He, yeah. He has some skills. And the whale, I was like, bro, I was like, about halfway through it, I was like, just give the man the Oscar, all right? <laughs> he got it. Just give it to him, man. Wow. So, yeah, he was great. Um. Then I watched, uh, oh, so I watched a film. I got to say, it's probably one of the best movies ever made. But I have to say, 
I would probably only recommend it to very, very deep cinephiles. Is it Debbie Does Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, she doesn't make she it to doesn't Dallas. She doesn't make it. I've actually seen that. Oh my I saw God. that very young, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think my uncle showed me that. Wow. I shouldn't have. He showed me a lot of stuff he should have shown me. He showed me. The, you ever seen the movie Kids? Larry Yeah, Clark? yeah. Yeah. He showed me that when I was like six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So maybe that's why I'm a little messed up in the head now. But I watched this film. 1970, it's two or three. I think it's three. Alejandro Hodorowski, The mm. Holy Mountain. Oh, my God. I have heard of it. So good. So, so good. Now, the first Isn't it like 20 banned minutes, in a lot of countries? It might be, and I wouldn't be shocked because yeah. there's some stuff in it. And I think, just a quick aside, I believe that director... The name sounds really familiar. I think he tried to make a Dune film in the 70s. I think he did. And there's did. a documentary about it. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. He's, I got to say, this was one of the most, the color play in this movie, the artistic designs, the costumes, all the creativity that went into it was just, I've never seen nothing like it. And like I'll say, the first 20 minutes, you're going to be like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> But once you get into what it's about and the characters actually start speaking, oh, my Lord, I was blown away. I was sucked right in. I was like, and they just take some cool, the concept is so cool. And he just got really creative with the direction he took with it. And it's it's extremely thematically rich. I, if, you, if you're into very art house, strange films, and you like seeing some some polarizing stuff you may have never seen before. I would absolutely recommend this to you. But if you like your movie served up, your meat and potatoes straight, <laughs> don't watch this movie. You will probably turn it off. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. 10 out of 10. Um, and then I'm not done because I, I wow. went crazy, bro. I watched, I watched seven films yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with me. Wow. Uh, so after that, I watched a great, great anime film called Wolf Children, 2012. Um, mm. Hamura Masoda. Uh, Hasoda, sorry. He's, uh, he's done some other good films I like. But I think this was his best one. It was about a mother who falls in love with a man who's half wolf, half human. And he can transform. He can turn it on and off. And they have children, and the children are wolves, but he dies. So she's left to raise these wolf children and figure it out as she goes. Wow. It's a great, beautiful love story. All right. Wow. Um, it was real sweet. Good family drama. Better than um, Twilight? It's way better. It's, <laughs> okay. I would watch this movie 20 times before I watched I think A, a Coma is better than Twilight, but that's just my opinion. Like, what, what movie? A Coma. Just being in a coma. Oh, in a coma. I, was, I don't think I've ever seen <laughs> no, that. No, no, Matt, no, just being in a coma. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twi well, listen, I, I saw a Twilight movie in theaters, actually, and it wasn't because I wanted to. Yes, I. Yeah, same here. This hot chick I was... <laughs> you know hooking up with it at yeah. the time was like i want to see clips and i was like oh my god but it actually wasn't that bad like it was watchable i watched it i was like yeah it wasn't that but she was like it was good right i was like yeah, it was all right you know, yeah. so, best I mean, film ever best film ever for tonight know? i was like next time <laughs> i'm picking the movie i think i dragged her to see some art house film like the tree of life or something like that oh wow <laughs> she didn't like it <laughs> but, well, yeah i believe it <laughs> but then last one i watched i watched um 
Interstellar 5555. It's a film. And the reason I watched it is because I've just been listening to Daft Punk's Discovery from 2001 a lot. Mm. And that movie is an anime with the entire album as the soundtrack. And there's no dialogue in the movie. It's just the album starts to finish with cool ass visuals. And I loved it. And I was dancing and bopping around and looking stupid because I love the album. So it was only wow. an hour long, you know, it's the length of the album. Yeah, so it yeah. was cool. You know, but so that's it was a long music video. It basically. was a long ass music video. That's, that's awesome. exactly what it was. But it actually had a story. It was like this this dude kidnapped the, this alien band and forced them to play these shows to make money and stuff off of them. So it was really cool actually. Yeah. How they did it. That was action and stuff. It was pretty cool. I think I remember when that came out, but I never watched it. Like cuz it sounds really you familiar. A clip from it, you'd be yeah, like, I've yeah. definitely seen the artwork from this. It's cool. It's cool. Wow. All right, guys. I know I sound like a freak. I watched seven <laughs> movies in one night. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But that's my designated night, guys. All right. Let's get into these films. So we'll go in order by release like we do. Okay. So we'll start with The Searchers, 1956, directed by John Ford, starring John Wayne. Uncle Ethan. Oh, my God. Ethan Edwards. Ethan Edwards. Ethan so, Edwards. Jamie, uh, before we even started recording, he had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> so I said, hey, we got to stop talking and save it for the for the discussion. So I'll let you kick off. You say whatever you'd like. Okay. So The Searchers begins in 1868. Mm-hmm. So it's three years after the Civil War. And Ethan Edwards... Goes back to Texas. His his family's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And he goes to his brother's house because he's Uncle Ethan. Mm-hmm. And they're happy to see him. And then, you know, because they the war ended three years ago. His family didn't even know it. Because they, at one point. Yo, they're out, they're out there. Yeah, because he's <laughs> like, the war ended three years ago. They're like, what? What took you so long to get here? <laughs> yeah. He's but, like, like they didn't realize it. I was chilling. And, and the, there's little things in the film like you can kind of tell from his uniform and because i realize now from watching at least uh the first two films the good the bad and the ugly and the searchers that i guess the south and the civil war had the the yellow stripes and the north had the red mm-hmm. because you know you always hear about you know the blue and the gray, blue and the gray. Mm-hmm. but some of their uniforms were similar mm-hmm. so so that's how you could tell because even uh, uncle ethan at one point has this union, well, I guess he's just a, an American soldier at that point, but has him turn around and he says, yeah, he's a Yankee soldier mm-hmm. or something at one point. So it's like, oh, he just has the red stripe. That's all he wanted to check. He said, I resent that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy did say that. And he's like, I'm just joshing or yeah, whatever. He's yeah, fooling. He's, you know, his boys. Yeah. I'm just yanking your chain. <laughs> yeah, Yankee. <laughs> Yankee. Yeah. It's like, oh. And so... So what it happens is, uh, I don't know if there's like cattle rustlers or something. So they go out to look for this lost cattle. I believe someone's lost whatever. And when they come back, his brother's house is burnt down. His brother's dead. His uh, sister-in-law is dead. I assume the son was dead son, also. Yeah. And the daughters are missing. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I love how he keeps mispronouncing Comanche because yep. he's like Comanche. Yep, Comanche. Comanche, as if <laughs> as if we didn't already know he was racist because he's a Southern soldier. <laughs> he was a Confederate soldier. He's we don't already know he's racist, so just the way he says Comanche. And Jeffrey Hunter plays 
what he calls like uh I think he calls him like a half breed. He called him a half breed. Even, <laughs> even though even Jeffrey Hunter's like I'm one eighth. Yeah, one eighth. And Cherokee. he looks like a white dude with piercing what? blue eyes. And a tan. <laughs> and a tan. He looks like a tan white dude. Yeah, that's what and it's like, okay. But he keeps calling yeah, so he keeps treating Jeffrey Hunter who the family had adopted. So he considered them to be like his mm-hmm. mom and dad, dad brother, and brothers and sisters. And sisters. Yeah. And so they form like a, a posse with the uh, the local God. He's like the Reverend, but he's also a marshal. He's a Reverend and a Texas marshal. Or yeah, ranger or a Ranger. Or yes, yeah. yeah. So they go looking for the Comanche people, <laughs> and you know they they eventually split up. I I know there's like a a gunfight mm-hmm. with a bunch of the Comanches. I'm sorry, Comanche <laughs> Indians yeah. and. And so then it ends up just being uh, the guy who was wooing the the oldest daughter, Ben. Mm-hmm. I believe his name is Ben. Uh, Jeffrey Hunter's character, and I. It's terrible. Oh, Marty. Martin. Marty. Yep. yep. Martin. Martin Pauly. Yep. And and Uncle Ethan. They're the only three that end up uh, continuing. And then they, those three split up. Ethan goes into like a ravine at one point. And they and he finds the oldest daughter, mm-hmm. and she's uh, yeah, she has been she's been dead, yeah. And, and we gotta throw this in there. Uncle Ethan does not like. Well, he keeps telling him, "Don't call me Uncle." Yeah, he does not like Marty because Marty has Comanche. Yes, and, and because of that. This man does not want anyone or himself to think that there is any kind of collection. He's like, we ain't related. Yeah. He don't even like him calling his adoptive family his relatives. Yes. Like, he's yeah. He's so against it. The ones I, who saved him. Yes. And raised him. And raised him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, they ain't your family. Like He's yeah. like, you ain't got no skin in this game. He's like, yeah. yeah, I do, bro. Come on. And, you know, he keeps slipping up and calling him Uncle Ethan because that's how he looks at him. But he does not reciprocate those feelings. So go on. Oh, yeah. So then so then uh, the the three of them continue on their journey and then Ben ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And so it's it it takes place over five years. So it's like 1868 to like 1873. Mm -hmm. So like the youngest daughter at the beginning is played by. Lana Wood, and then the youngest daughter at the end is played by her older sister Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. So, so that shows the passage of time and probably smart casting because I'm sure smart. they looked similar. Yeah, they did. Yeah, did a good job. Yeah, and and Natalie Wood, you know, at the time it was probably her first film after that had Rebel, to be one of her first ones. Yeah, because yeah. she was in Rebel without a cause the year before, yeah, was, and Miracle yeah. on 34th Street when she was super young. Yeah, and yeah. I think those were yeah, like maybe her first two. Was right before that. Yeah, yeah it was. And she was great in all of them, man. Her yeah. Piece. So, so, so basically, you know, they're on this journey. They go to these different places. It ends up being just uh, Marty and Uncle Ethan. We'll put air quotes around yeah, Uncle. Uncle. Yeah, and they, uh, it's clues, because they, they keep finding clues or hearing about things, and they, they offered rewards, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's one of those weird situations where, in order to save one person, they're willing to kill thousands, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. and, and, and that's one of the things I've noticed in any of these films, like, 
in order to save a, f- a few people, we're going to murder as many people yeah, as we can. Bro, the amount of Comanche that yes. die in this movie is crazy. Like, yes. The kill count got to be the you see on screen at least like a hundred get killed. Yeah, bro. like it's a lot. Even even Marty's uh, Comanche wife ends. Yeah, up dying. she dies. It's, yo, we gotta <laughs> speak, let's speak about that. We yes. gotta speak about because yes. you guys listen. If you haven't seen these films, sorry, we're gonna we're gonna spoil them a little bit for you. But hopefully, we hype you up to make you want to see them because you should watch these. So Marty and Uncle Ethan end up getting to a trading post and. Marty's thinking he's trading for a blanket, but he actually gets a wife, and they call her Look. Look, yeah, yeah. I think because Marty kept saying Look, he Look. He kept saying Look. He was trying to get her attention. Yeah. She thought that's what he was addressing her as. She spoke Comanche, and for whatever reason, Uncle Ethan speaks fluent Comanche. He does. And he knew what she was saying, and she's like, bro, she's basically saying her name's this, but if you want to call her look, she'll answer to that. And it's a funny scene where they're all sleeping, like, on this kind of, like, hill thing, and <laughs> look is sleeping next to Marty, and she's all up in his way, and he turns up, and he kicks her down the freaking mountain, bro. <laughs> and Uncle Ethan's laying there cracking up, and he's like, you get a divorce for that, Texas! It's funny as hell. That part cracks me up every time. But he gets a wife, and even she gets killed. Now, he didn't want her because he had his own love. He was interested in Lori. Yeah. Lori was waiting for him and been waiting for him. She even says, like, since they were three. Since he was three. They've been exactly. engaged since they were three. Engaged since we was three. He didn't know that. She's like, even if you didn't know that, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but go on. I had to just throw that in there about look because that was funny. And you're, you're right, though, because he does speak fluent Comanche, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he obviously had more interaction yes. and more knowledge than even he let on yes and so a part of me and this is just me digging deep i think he had some interactions with them that were very negative because of his viewpoint on them he can't stand these people and i'm like there's a reason you're so hateful towards these people like what did what did you go through with these people? What did you see or experience? Did they kill someone you know or love? Yes. Or, yeah, they did. They did. They did. They did, did right. because there's a scene where they finally catch up to Scar, not the lion, not the lion, not, not the lion, but probably where the lion got his name, yeah, and, and his look from. Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah, yeah, you know you're right. Yeah, you're probably right. So, so he's a chief that obviously has a scar on his face. They they catch up to him. He's the one who took the youngest daughter, mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember. Debbie. Debbie. Yes, it is Debbie. Yeah, he's got Debbie. yeah, because because Marty's like Debbie, Debbie. Don't you remember don't me? You he's, remember he's doing me? his best, like Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Debbie. Debbie. <laughs> Debbie. Don't you remember me? <laughs> and 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 they get there and they're like you know, just like smoking and 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 whatever. I guess they're sitting in the in the tent. And when they notice Debbie's there, but they can't do anything because. Marty wants to jump up, but Ethan, like, you know, he's like, Chill it, out, yeah, yeah, know. he tells him to calm down. But Debbie shows them uh, a stick full of scalps, and later on, Ethan tells Marty that one of the scalps belonged to Marty's to mom. The mom, yep, yeah, and that's probably, believe it or not, Ethan might have 
had something, not not something to do with the death of the mom, but he was probably close with Marty's family. Maybe that's why that's he why keeps they, him at a distance. Yes. Maybe he feels responsible. Yes. And I think you hit that on the head because there's a reason he didn't come back for so long. Yeah. So I'm like, bro, you were into some stuff. Yeah. That we don't know about. You you know, he's a little older. He's he's an outlaw. Yeah, basically. And, yeah. and the way the movie ends shows you that too. But we'll we'll get there. We'll we'll keep going. So yeah. So yeah, shows him the head full of scalps and she's acting like she don't know him. She's acting like she's like, I'm I'm command, speaking command, yes. you know, and yeah. Uncle Ethan is pissed, man. And it's been five years. Five years. So she's she has been essentially adopted by these people. Yeah. But at the same time, like Five years ain't long enough for me to forget where I came from, um, even at a at an age as young as she was. Yeah. But she comes through and, you know, Uncle Ethan wants to kill this girl. He does. Man. He does because she's more Comanche now than she is white. Yeah. Even though I think he even she's says still that. white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they show, uh, like, they go to some... Like military outposts or something at one point, and they show white women and children that were captured by the Comanche, uh-huh. and they show how they are, and they like they make it seem like they're totally gone mentally. Gone mentally, yeah. yeah. The chick playing with the doll, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm like, bro, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's really just kind of propaganda if yes. you think about it yes that's that's kind of and it's terrible like like it's it's racist propaganda is what it is now <laughs> like that's what it would be now but yeah in the context of that film and when it's supposed to take place i mean that's yeah. how they were that's how they would have been especially in the south the confederates they don't that's what it was yeah that is what it was the film is probably extremely accurate to the time period and of course like Watching it now, we've obviously evolved so much as people. Watching it now, it's like, God, this is racist. Like when I first watched it, I was like, Yeah, isn't it? This Jonas. I was like, as much as I'm enjoying this, it's like this is bad racist. And like, but I just had to laugh at it because I'm like, I mean, it is what it is. Like anything you watch that's gonna have a historical context to it. There might be some racism, there might be some sexism, there might be some stuff in it that we don't agree with today, but Watching the searchers, that I think the thing that doesn't sit well with people is knowing how the lead actor was in his real life translated onto the screen very well. Yeah. So we all know John Wayne was outspoken about natives. He had his opinions, which we're not going to discuss. You know, if you want to know about what John Wayne thought about natives, you can look that up yourself. But he had his opinions and he was outspoken about them. And although I don't agree with anything he said, I just have to give him respect for being truthful and being real and kind of putting himself out there like, accept me as I am or not. It, and that's that's all you can do. If you don't like Johnny, you don't have to like him. You don't have to watch his stuff. But if you like his work, then you like his work. So me, I try and separate artists from art all the time. Because if you didn't, you probably drive yourself insane. So yeah. I try and do that. and. I do think this film is is definitely worth watching and still is important it's important to know where we came from and to see how far we come. That's one thing I think about the beauty of the searchers is watching it today is to see how far we've come as people. And of course people are going to say, "Well, it's still bad." Yes, of course. Yeah. We still have our problems, but guess what? 
me and this man sitting in this room <laughs> wouldn't have happened 70 years ago. That's you know? true. So you're right. that's how it goes. So I think watching films like this is a nice reminder and actually a beacon of hope to show us that the future is still bright. Yeah, this this film is so like pro white society. I think it's being taught as history in Florida right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ron DeSantis is like this, this film's incredible. I love it. He's like it's my favorite movie. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, John John Wayne is right on. I, I'm so happy he lived in the 1800s to teach us this. But we gotta we gotta <laughs> discuss though. His progression, because John Wayne's progression. Yeah, because okay, even though, oh, in, in, the, in the film, film. in the yeah, film, yes, in real life. No, yeah, in yeah, the, yeah, in, in the, the film, film, yes. So, even though Johnny was the way he was, as it goes on, he does grow a love for Marty. He does. He right. does grow a love for Marty, and he does the, look aside. There's his, a really uh, great scene when you know it. I believe when I. What's I, it for you? For me, it's when. They go back after they find Debbie and they go back and the woman who loves Marty is going to marry Festus from Gunsmoke. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, he played the drunk Festus on Gunsmoke, but he's, but he's younger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when Marty finds out, you know, he's talking to her and then the guy comes in and they end up fighting Mm -hmm. and the way that John Wayne, or I'm sorry, uncle Ethan Mm -hmm. Is is watching? There's like pride in seeing Marty stand, stand up. up for him. Yes, yep, stand up for what he's what he wants. For yes, his chick. Yeah. and and the way that he um, he acts towards him in that whole scene because the the Rangers from earlier that they were with want to arrest him for not the Comanches they may have killed on the way, but <laughs> but the white guys. Yeah, the they, white they, dudes, they may yeah. have killed. They they want to arrest him and and all this stuff. And you know John Wayne isn't having it. But he's not having it for Marty either. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think the first time he he included Marty as part of his group, you know his his posse. Let's yeah, say yeah, he actually like yeah, that was the moment for me. It was the moment when he wanted to kill Debbie, and mm. John was like, "I'm done," and he willed all his stuff to him. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, that was when I thought I was like, he does care about this dude. Yeah, because I think ultimately he left him a lot of good stuff, and he was like, you know what? Any guy who was that hateful be like, I'd rather my stuff go to waste than this bunch of slurs get my stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he actually cared enough, and he wanted him to go back and get um, Lori. And be happy and live his life. Yeah. So that was the moment when I felt like he actually felt like Uncle Ethan and not just some dude who's hanging out with me. But also, um, when they go back in the fight scene, which Marty was getting his ass whipped. He was. I was like, come on, Marty. But he had heart. But he He had heart. heart. I was like, y'all respect him. He might have been a little drunk too, but (laughs) I was like, y'all respect him. He got heart. I was like, come on, Marty. You like this dude beat you down, cuz. But he still got the girl. So. You know he's all good, but yeah. Um, but when they when they do finally, and and the other thing which comes later, but the main thing that shows you he changes is when he gets Debbie 
picks her up and says, yes. let's go home. Yeah, he doesn't kill her. He does not kill her. No, he actually and, embraces and, her. And Marty's running after him trying well, to save yeah, her. Yeah, because, I mean, he made it seem like he yeah. was about to go kill her. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. And, and Marty, I swear, that kid falls down so much. Oh, that dude God. fell through the whole he, movie. His, he, <laughs> his athleticism was terrible. Honestly, believe it or not, since this came out in 56, Hitchcock should have hired him for Vertigo. He really should have, bro. <laughs> he really should have. Yeah. He would have had a pair of hots. You know? Yeah, yeah. He would have been done yeah. for. But I think the um, the closing shot of this film. When Ethan's walking away. I think it's one of the best closing shots of any film, especially of any Western. Because everyone's going inside and everyone's, it's family time. Marty's got his girl, yeah. you know, Debbie's back. Everybody who's left is like, let's just build the home back up and make everything right. And Uncle Ethan's standing on the porch, you know, right in between. The way he shot it, you can see, you know, the aspect ratio, you can see just enough of the inside of the house and it's dark. But then you got the sunlight beaming in from behind and you see the planes behind him and you see he's stuck right in the middle of like where do I go next? He's, he's yeah. at a crossroads. Do, do I hang up the gun and the hat and be a family man? Or am I an outlaw? Am I a problem? Should I get away from these people to protect who I love? And you can see that confliction in his face. And like, although I don't think John Wayne is the most skilled actor, when it comes to Westerns, he knows what to do and he knows how to hit the right beats. And I think he had the perfect emote for what he would what i think anyone in his position would be thinking at that moment and i think it's just a powerful closing shot and a great ending to a cool adventure film the searchers is heavily influential it's it yeah. influenced a lot of adventure films that you watch today so if you think that you know george lucas and spielberg weren't watching that when they were writing indiana jones you're fooling yourself you know I think that's a good way, honestly, to segue into the next film, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, because it's sort of, if you're looking at it as like bare bones plot, it is kind of the same. Like, it's a couple of guys looking for something, searching for mm -hmm. something. Searching for something. Yeah, that's really what it is. And plus, you know, beautiful... Uh, Shots of the desert. Yes, the land, dude, the cinematography, insane in The Searchers. Yeah. Gorgeous, man. Gorgeous. There's something about those 50s films after they started to do widescreen. Mm -hmm. Like as Cinemascope, I believe it was yep. called back then. After, after that, like movies became like spectacles. Yes, these beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Like, because if you watch like The Searchers or Shane, that's another one. Crazy cinematography, these wide shots. Yeah. These, these landscapes is beautiful like and that's one of my favorite things about westerns that's one of the things that attracted me to westerns is cinematography and scores i love that stuff i'm a sucker for that stuff that's that's the cinephile in me that likes looking at that stuff on film and that's one thing that i think draws a lot of people into westerns like it's they're beautiful the searchers is a beautiful film it makes you just want to go out and explore walk through the mountains walk through the plains and and you get in the beautiful part about that movie is it takes place over five years. You see it in the summertime, the wintertime. Oh, you yeah. get all the different seasons too. And John Ford did a great job of capturing this landscape so well. Like he was, he knew how to make westerns look. He pretty much 
he's a pioneer in inventing the look of a Western. Yeah, you know, he's right. one of the pioneering guys. Because he started in the 30s, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. throwback, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's been around. So, yeah, so, guys, The Searchers is a must-watch. It's If you're a... If, if you're a Western fan, it's a must, must watch. And I think it's a must watch for just film lovers in general. So, Jamie, what, what letter grave we given the searchers? The searchers, believe it or not, because I hadn't thought about Ethan's character arc where he went from like extremely prejudiced mm-hmm. and, and even racist mm-hmm. to actually. It didn't hit me till you said it. Like he honestly loved Marty. He did. He, he went from really, love him. really hating, hating him, this man, hating to him, growing to love him. And I would honestly have to give it an A, mm-hmm. just because I realize now its value is in its racism and its hatred yes. and how he overcomes that. Yes, that's one thing I love. That's one. Yeah. Because as I when I first watched, it, I was like, man, this is. <laughs> like yes man it's wild yeah. I, I couldn't do anything but laugh at it but as you saw he had the best character development as yeah. you saw his character develop you're like wow he's actually growing as a person and, and he's like, overcoming his demons overcoming his demons and yeah. you know he he felt like i won't say he was a loveless man but he was a i'll love you from a distance man yeah and i think he grew to be and i can love you in your face type of man so yeah. I, I definitely think it's very thematically rich and some strong themes about life and personal growth. And I think that that's where its strength is and over the action, over the cinematography score, any of that good Western stuff that we like in Westerns. I think that's where it's heart really lies. I agree. So I'm going to also give it an a on a good day, maybe even an a plus it's a perfect Western. So let's discuss one of my not only my favorite westerns but one of my favorite movies and one some people they try and discredit because it's a spaghetti western the good the bad the ugly directed by sergio leone 1966 i admit i i probably saw it when i was a kid because my dad loved these films mm-hmm. i didn't remember anything about it so watching it for this it felt new. Oh, that's great. Nothing better than that. And I... So how it begins is crazy to me. Because it introduces each character with like their own introductory segment. Mm-hmm. And so you see like the ugly, the bad, and the good all in, in separate situations. And then how they come together, how they separate again, you know, how they come back together... And it it all takes place 1862 during the Civil War. It's based around some real battles that actually happened, mm-hmm. and I find that interesting because it's uh, it's kind of like the Western version of Titanic. Then you know, like let's take historical facts and make a fictional story around it. Yeah, and only I enjoy this more than way Titanic. more than Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I mean I, I hate to say it, Titanic, Titanic is kind of garbage. Titanic is one of the most overrated yeah. movies. Yeah, Billy Zane's still great though. Oh, he's he's good <laughs> in everything. Tombstone. Yeah. We'll yeah. Oh yes, yes. Um, he's great. Of course, Kate Kate Winslet, bro, gorgeous yeah. and great. And I, I'm a huge Leo fan. I'm a James Cameron yeah, fan. I'm yeah. a Kathy Bates fan. I yeah. like all the people involved in this movie. It's a beautiful movie. But it didn't need to be three and a half hours, and I 
I've seen it far too many times yeah. and I'd like to admit not on purpose though it got <laughs> overplayed so much that yeah. thing would come on tbs back in the day oh for God. like five hours with yes. commercials and dude my grandma sit there and watch the whole thing i'm really? like bro just watch the two-piece vhs yes you know, like jeez might be in that crate there <laughs> i guarantee you it's in that crate i'll be willing to put my life on that uh, <laughs> the, the, i'm pretty sure it is now i'm pretty sure i saw it already yeah yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure it's yeah anywho we, we have a vhs crate. yeah i was just gonna say it's, I was a, like, it's, a, uh, it's like a treasure chest of just vhs films but there's some gems up in there like and they're and they're actually separated by genre it's quite organized <laughs> like and there's a working vhs player and tv right here like yeah you could throw on a vhs right now yeah but so go on. Um, so yeah, we were talking about. Oh how yes, so it's a real it's a real historical events with a fictional story wrapped into it. Yes, and and the story I found incredible because we were talking before we started recording. Like Eli Wallach in this film is like a revelation, isn't he? He is. He is. I think he was hella influential to a lot of villainous type characters later. I think but, a lot of people watched him. But in the end, was he really a villain? Like, no, that's what I'm curious no. about. I don't think he was a villain at all. I think he was a survivor. A survivor, yes. Mm-hmm. He just did whatever he had to do to survive mm-hmm. in, you know, the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Really. And you're a Mexican guy. Yes. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And everyone hates you regardless. Yeah, everyone yeah. hates you. You were literally getting hanged multiple times. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's crazy because it starts out with, you know, these guys, these three men going into uh, a saloon mm-hmm. and there's a shootout. And then you see Tuco. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 He jumps out the window <laughs> And then the other three guys are dead. Mm-hmm. Or you think all three oh, of them are dead. the one dude isn't. Yeah, the mm-hmm. one dude isn't. But, but you know, so he jumps out. And as he's jumping out, like, you know, I, I think this film also introduced a lot of things that we now take for granted in, in film. So, like, I think it freezes, right? And yep. then it says and it has the, the words. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's like a freeze frame. And then, you know, and then it goes into, like, the story of who the bad guy is introducing him mm-hmm. and why he's considered bad. Yeah, and you see it right off the rip. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef, great actor, love him. Escape from New York. Oh, really? Yeah, yep. He's he's wow. like the um the dude who's commanding Kurt Russell to go in and get okay. the president. Um so, but Lee Van Cleef is great. He's he's in a lot of Sergio Leone films actually. He's really good in that film. Can't stand him. But that's a testament to his good acting. Yeah, yeah. He's a P.O.S. in that movie, man. <laughs> so when you first see him, he's going to to take a hit that someone paid him to go and get this guy. So he goes, gets this dude, eats his food first. Yeah. The dude tries to counterpay him for survival. It double pay him. Double pay him. Yeah. Still kills him, takes his money, kills his family, son, and his hot wife, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, man, you're kind of evil. Then he goes <laughs> back to the guy who hired him and kills him. After he gets paid. After he gets paid. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay. But it's because the other guy paid him to kill the other guy. Yeah. And he never leaves a job unfinished, yes. as he says. Yeah. Which... Uh, your morality is in question because you're a freak. But and, and then you find out he's a Union soldier. Yep. Well, is yeah, he? I, I, that's what I was like. I, I guess I, he was. Yeah. 
He just was out at. He wasn't he, acting he, like it. No, but he was doing stuff on the side. And he I was guess dressed like a regular cowboy most of the movie. Most of the movie, doing and regular. Then, you find out later that he's a soldier who he has is like part of authority. Like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like like yeah. uh, like a higher up. He had his own little like hut and stuff. Was yeah, eating good. I'm like, okay. Had his little bodyguard do the do with the one eye. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's in some other uh, westerns too, but Wallace was his name. Yeah, that's what was, they called him, Wallace, because they're like Wallace is gonna. We've all taken a beating from Wallace. Yeah, Tuco took one, but he he got him back. <laughs> oh, he did, yeah. yeah. But so so yeah, that's that's the introduction you get to the the bad, and then of course you got the good, which he isn't really good. No, he's not. <laughs> he's, that's he's that, not that's good. what I was curious about. But I guess he's the best one in the situation. Yeah, of the three. <laughs> yeah, the lesser of three evils. Yeah, but he's he still evil. Good. Yeah, he still does bad less stuff. Less evil. He still murders people. Yeah. He still commits crimes. Like, he does all that stuff. He just doesn't go off the rails with it. Like, Tuco was a little crazy. Um, the Angel Eyes, that's. The oh, bad Angel Eyes, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, yes, Angel Eyes was a little crazy. And then Blondie. But Blondie was probably the most level headed, but he still kill you, no problem, especially yeah. if you got some money for him. So, yeah. So, when you see these, you don't see the bad interact with the good and the ugly for a little bit you get tuco and blondie i don't even remember how they end up actually meeting i think they actually just show them together yeah Yeah. because they introduce the good with like whatever because he ends up does he save somebody i think he saves tuco well well but is is oh no he he saves I'm trying to remember what he did. Because I know he does save Tuco, but I think it's after they introduced him. Yes, yes. So he saved that one guy on the street. There was yes. the, It was like a cripple guy or something. But then I don't remember how him and Tuco link up. I think they just showed Tuco about to be hanged. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think that the, it's a thing where they just had this running thing. Like like they've been together. Like, yeah, like, like they've we're known kind each of, other for a little bit. Yeah, because uh, epic poems, right? They have this thing. In Latin, uh, in medias res, they always begin in the middle of the action. Mm-hmm. And this is an epic film, so we're kind of there in the middle of it. And then you have to surmise, I believe, that they've been doing this because Tuco is a wanted man. Yeah. So Blondie hands him in, gets the reward, and then as they're going to hang him, he shoots him down because they have him sitting on a horse and they they're gonna you know whip the horse, the horse to hang him yeah, yeah to hang him and so he shoots the rope so then Tuco just rides off and then they split the money that's mm-hmm. their that's their that's a little deal. hustle yeah which it, it's not a bad hustle especially for how much they were getting because they were getting a few grand like, every time every time and back then a few grand was some money you know yeah. so they were doing pretty good with this hustle but Blondie sees the the venture is a little less lucrative and he feels like Tuco's value isn't going to get any higher than what it is. So he's kind of ready to move on. And Tuco feels like, bro, I want more money because I'm the one with my damn head in the news. Yeah. Yeah. And if you miss, I'm going to die. And Blondie's like, yeah, but if that money ain't right. My aim might start getting a little <laughs> shitty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up splitting up. And although the good is technically, Blondie, Clint Eastwood's character, he's actually an asshole to Tuco in this no, he situation, is. and he leaves him for dead. He does. Tuco actually didn't betray Blondie until 
he did it to him first. Yeah. Essentially, when you see what Tuco does to Blondie later, I'm kind of like, bro, you asked for that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> sort of the 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 reciprocal of what he did Blondie had done to him to you. Yeah, like I, I would have been like, look, man, I'll at least give you a ride in the town. Yeah. So Blondie, they break up essentially, and Blondie leaves this man for dead with nothing, and he. Pretty much thinks Tuco is going to die because he's out in the desert. There's nothing around. He got no horse, no nothing. But Tuco is the most resilient person <laughs> that's ever walked this planet. I got that it. man couldn't die if he wanted to. Well, I think Blondie did call him. Did he say that Tuco means rat at one point? Yeah, I think he did yeah. say it meant rat. So it's like, you know, what do rats do? They just do whatever they have to do to survive. That's what they do. Yeah. And that's what Tuco does. He... He has nothing. He gets out of the desert and he gets everything he needs back. He goes to a gun shop. He steals some guns and some yes, alcohol from this guy. And no, he leaves him the alcohol. Oh no, he, he takes leave. a drink he and takes then he a leaves big it to sip him. and leaves him. That's right. Yeah, because that's all the guy had left. Yeah, and he, took, yeah he took all. He took everything from the dude. He made yeah. a gun real quick. Showed him how good he was at shooting in the back. I like when he shot the one thing and the old guy thought he missed and he stepped on the plank and it fell over. I was like, oh, I got it. Yeah. I was like, this dude can shoot. Then he goes up. Doesn't he? Yeah, he ends up meeting up with some old dudes, some old friends, and they are under a bridge or something and he's making chicken in a, like a stew pot or yeah, something. Yeah, I think so. And he's planning his revenge on Blondie with his homies. But as we know, Blondie is Clint Eastwood. Yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. they're the guys who, yes. Mm-hmm. They're playing. He's like, hey, yes. I want to go get that blonde guy. Even though Clint isn't really a blonde. He's kind of like a dirty blonde, I guess. So some of the his facial hairs were blonde. You could see when the close-up shots. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean. Because he always had a hat on. So he you, did, most so he, of the time. So you would probably base it on the facial hair. Mm-hmm. So Blondie is extremely skilled gunman he's nobody ain't no regular cowboy just gonna run up on him and put him out like that and so tuco they find him tuco and his boys and of course blondie kills all of his friends but because they come in the front door and tuco's at the window tuco was smart yeah tuco knew yeah <laughs> holding a gun on him yeah so, so tuco knew tuco knew he was gonna have the front door covered and so he got him through the front and Tuco comes to the window and he gets him. And Tuco is vicious. He was gonna hang this man. He Essentially was. make him hang himself. Yes. And I'm like, Dang. well, obviously, you know, when you're watching, you know Clint ain't gonna die at that point in the movie. So you know he's somehow gonna get out of it, but you're like, man, dude, he's he's got this dude right now. Yeah, yeah, because what, what could you do? Yeah. And Clint gets lucky and some stuff starts going on outside, and he does get away. And so, as he's getting away, what what I'm trying to remember what happens and wh- how oh, he catches him again in the desert. Well, the um, the the building ends up getting bombed. Yeah, the building gets bombed. Clint gets out. Yeah, Clint gets out, and then we we might have to backtrack a little bit for for the sake of what happens later. To when it introduces the bad, Lee Van Cleef, Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. Because when he's talking to the two men that he kills in the very beginning of the film, he learns about... Because he's trying to find... Oh, so, yeah, he's so, trying to find the gold. Yeah, because yeah, well, he's trying to find a guy who uh, 
the, the other guy wanted him to find, and that's the, the first guy he kills had the information yeah. as to what his, his new name was that he was going by. Yes, because, that's what it is. Because there was $200,000 missing. Mm-hmm. And that's and Bill Carson is the, the alias that the guy's going under. And Bill Carson, so he right. finds out about it. And I think that maybe that's also why he kills the guy who hired him originally. Because he now knows that there's 200 grand yeah, out there. That's one more person who could... Yeah. F your plans up. So, so what what ends up happening is the building explodes. Blondie gets away. Tuco ends up getting away, and they do end up meeting up again. They meet in the desert, but I'm trying to remember what happens and uh, how he catches them. I what happens, I believe, is Blondie has the same deal going with someone else. And Tuco sees him getting ready to shoot someone else's noose. Yeah, and he puts a gun on him and stops yes, him. Yes, and he stops him. And he yes. then he then and, he takes him the to dies. the desert. Yeah, the guy dies. <laughs> yeah, and we- he takes him to the desert hostage. Yeah, and so Tuco was pretty much like, bro, I'm about to make you suffer the same fate you were gonna make me. Strips him of his water, shoots his water canteen, yeah. takes his guns. All Clint got is the clothes on his back, which he was very sharply dressed, dude. He had this nice navy like. Button up shirt on, slick jeans, bro. Hair was slicked back. He was looking fly, but <laughs> that was short lived. That sun got to this man's yeah. skin. His face was Blistered bubbling. His and, lips yeah. were blistering. And I don't know. Sergio Leone's done this to Clint a couple times in movies, so maybe he just likes making Clint look ugly. But <laughs> he's he's all messed up, and you know, Tuco's just. Man, he's riding on the horse behind him, making him crawl, and yeah. you know he's teasing him and just being sick. But I mean, Clint, you kind of asked for that, bro. You did the same thing to him. You were yeah. gonna make him suffer the same fate. He's just probably a better survivor than you. So as they're in the desert, they come across uh, a horse and carriage yeah, stage with some coach. confederate, yeah, stagecoach yeah. with some confederate guys on it, and. Who's one of the guys? Bill Carson. Bill Carson. Yeah. And Bill Carson's dying. And Tuco goes and talks to him. Now, Tuco's plan is to rob these guys until Bill Carson confesses that he knows where $200,000 is. And he tells Tuco where it is, which is at a graveyard. Now, a graveyard has many graves in it. Yes. So you can't just pull up and expect to find it. Now, the guy requests some water from Tuco, and Tuco is like, listen, you tell me, I'll get you the water. He goes to get the water, and while he's gone, Blondie crawls over to the dude, and the dude tells Blondie what grave it's on, and the dude dies. So, Blondie is dying, though. This man is beyond dehydrated. His face looks like it's going to, if you touch it, it'll just flake off. Like, he's in bad shape. So. But now, Tuco figures out that Blondie knows the grave. So now, he doesn't want this man to die anymore. So instantly, Blondie becomes Tuco's quote-unquote best friend. He literally (laughs) says, you're my best friend, Blondie. Please don't die. Yeah. And he's trying to give him some water. He's trying. So now, all of a sudden, this guy you were about to leave for dead literally two minutes ago. (laughs) Now you want him alive more than ever. So this is where the movie really starts. So now we know what it is. 
$200,000 worth of gold on the line. It's in a cemetery, buried in a grave, and only a couple people know. Blondie knows the grave. Tuco knows the graveyard. And Angel, Angel Eyes, Eyes knows is it on exists. the hunt. Yeah. He knows the money somewhere, and he knows who he knows where to go for the information. He just don't have the information. Yeah. So he's still looking for Bill Carson. He's still looking for Bill Carson. So Blondie and Tuco take their uniforms and yes. they end up going to what is it like a like a sanatorium type of deal or no, a church? I, I think it's like Oh no, first they meet up with the guys out um they, the guys they find out in the street, right? They're the Confederate guys camping. Yes, I believe They find so. them first and they end up spending the night with them, but Blondie's in bad shape. So they're like, bro, you got to take them to the, the church. They'll take you yeah, guys. They'll take any soldiers. I think it's like a mission. Like it's in, like a, it's like a like mission. Like in Vertigo. Yeah, right, where yeah. They went. yeah. Yeah. It's like, so yeah, they, it's like a mission type deal with like priests and, you know, guys like that there. Yeah. So they pull up there and, you know, Tuco's freaking out because he's like, bro, I got to get Blondie here now. He's going to die. So he runs in and he's begging these people, please save him. This is my best friend. I love him so much. He's saying all yes. this bullshit. And it's so funny because I'm like, oh, my God. Quit acting like you like this guy. <laughs> Which they do eventually. They do like each other. Like whether they want to admit it yeah. or not, they definitely like. Because they could have been killed each other, but they didn't. But so the guy, one of the guys taking care of Blondie ends up being Tuco's brother. And they have an in-depth conversation about how they pretty much went separate ways in life. And they deal with issues with their parents that they had and Tuco leaving and him leaving. And it was a big emotional moment. And you can tell it really affected Tuco. And that's the first time you see a real humanistic side from Tuco because that conversation left him feeling empty. It's what makes him a a well-rounded character, I believe. Yes. And interaction. You'd see a lot of... Tuco honestly is the main character in this movie. He is, yeah. He really is. Like, yes. yes, Clint's the poster man, his name's on it, but Eli Wallach is the main character in this film. Yeah. He's the best character and he has the best arc and the most character development. And he's the one you're rooting for. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, bro, insane. I want him. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not rooting for Clint. I'm definitely rooting for uh Eli Wallach. I'm like, if Clint gets broken off in the process, that's fine. I'm like, I definitely don't want angel eyes to get a fucking cent of that money yeah yeah <laughs> definitely didn't want him to do it so after that they they get him they get him good enough to go out and he's getting better you know his face doesn't look so bad man and then you know i give him some food and all that stuff get him get him taken care of and so they're out they go out and Oh, that's this is when they get captured. Yes, because because the, they're wearing the uniform yeah, and, and they think they run into the Confederate the, guys, the Confederate but it's guys. dust and yes. they're Union yes. guys. <laughs> yes, yes, because uh, Blondie says something about idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, because Tuco's like, "Hey, the Confederacy, yay!" Blah blah blah, and then, <laughs> and then the guy just starts patting the dust off his uniform and it's blue. It is blue, and they're like, "Oh." Sh- got us bro yeah so so they get captured they're prisoners of war yep they're prisoners of war but it actually wasn't that bad for them like the union dudes were pretty cool to them yeah like the one drunk dude he was chilling i mean he was drunk but he was chilling but 
the beauty of what I like about um oh, but that's a little bit later. Sorry, that's later. Um, I, I'm jumping ahead. They do end up meeting up with some other union guys. Yes, later. yes, um, that's that is later. later. Yeah, but so this is when the three of them finally meet: the good, the bad, and the ugly. So they get to this camp. And the union guys, they got guys playing trumpets and doing weird stuff. But Angel Eyes is a union-like, I don't know, a lieutenant general? Yeah, whatever. I'm not big he's, on military He's, he's ranks, high in rank. Yeah, he's high up. Yeah. He has his own little quarters, and he's got guys under him, and they do whatever he says. So he knows their, their uniforms they're wearing Tuco's wearing Bill Carson's uniform. Yeah, because they're they're rattling off the names of the captured. Mm-hmm. And they keep saying Bill Carson. And Blondie reminds Tuco, he's like, you have to be Bill Carson. Yes. He's like, you got to be Bill Carson. Yeah. Not, yeah. So, because he's wearing his uniform. And so. he's wearing his eye patch. Yeah. And his eye patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He get, took his whole look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it's like, you're Bill Carson. Yep. So, Angel Eyes knows Bill Carson is the one who knows where the gold is. So, Angel Eyes brings Tuco into his little like hut office deal, and he gives him some food, and he's making him feel at home, give him a little drink, and Angel Eyes tells the guys outside to start playing music. He's like, you like a little music when you eat? He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, sure. I'm just glad you're feeding me. And they're playing music, and obviously they're doing this for a reason. So as the music's playing... Angel Eyes is asking Tuco where the money is. And Tuco, of course, is playing stupid. And so the guy with one eye, this big old dude, starts beating the living piss out of Tuco, <laughs> man. Yes. He's beating his tail, breaking stuff, throwing them all over the place. Wasn't he pushing his eyes in? At he, one was point? At one Yo, point. he was at one point, yeah. Like, God, he was giving him some work. He was, man. He and was. I mean, this dude is way bigger. Tuco's not a big guy. Eli Wallach's probably like five, five, six, yeah. maybe. Like, he's not a big dude. And this dude is huge. This dude was like the the one guy in uh, Yojimbo that yeah, he was the massive freaking dude. big old massive dude. Yeah, in Yojimbo yeah. We talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. He was huge. And so he's beating him down. And. You know, Eli Wallach, he's he's just taking it. He's just taking it. And eventually he does break and tells him the gravesite. But he's like, look, I don't know the grave. And the bad knows that Blondie knows the grave. So he comes, he takes the giant guy takes Tuco out and excuse me. He brings uh Blondie in. And now he knows Blondie is not like Tuco. And he knows Blondie is a lot sharper, smarter, and probably going to probably can figure out how to get out this situation a little bit better. And so, won't give up anything. And won't give up anything. Yeah. And, and, he, and he basically admits to him that he knows he wouldn't. So he's like, listen, you're going to come with us, and you're going to work with me, and we're going to find this money. And he, of course, Blondie's concerned because he sees blood on the floor and he's like, Yes, am I gonna get treated the same way as Tuco did? And he's like, Nah, not if you, you know, do what you gotta do. So in the meantime, these guys go ahead on, and Tuco is handcuffed with this big guy, and they're on a train and they're gonna go kill Tuco. Well, Tuco is the most resilient man on the planet. And <laughs> ain't no, it, you can't kill this man if you wanted to. So <laughs> Tuco tricks this guy, and they're on this train. He ends up kicking him off the train. 
Tuco, but they're they handcuffed roll over, together. Right? They're yeah. handcuffed together, and Tuco and him are rolling down the side. Tuco grabs a big ass rock and bludgeons this man to death. Then he tries to break the chain with the rock, realizes that's not going to work. So, in a ballsy move, <laughs> he throws himself over the train tracks with the uh, cuff, the chain from the cuffs on the track, and lets the train ride by, and it breaks him free. God, that's so ballsy when people do yeah, that stuff. Yeah, I can't believe so, it. Oh, I'm like, oh, my forearm. But he gets free because he's Tuco, and <laughs> Tuco is never going to be captured. So I'll let you roll a little bit from there. So then after that, like, Tuco, basically he just has to figure out how to get to the graveyard or back to Blondie he has or to both. Get back to Blondie. Yeah. So he gets to this town where uh, Angel Eyes has brought Blondie with was it like, six guys? I think it five is or six. Yeah, five or six, six of, of the soldiers that are part of Angel Eyes's, uh I'll just say posse because this is the 1800s. Yeah, well, let's call it a posse. Yeah, and they're, they're at this like um, it, the town is, is bombed out. It's a bombed yeah, out I was town. like, the place is desert ghost yeah. town. It reminded me, honestly, I thought it was the same town where Tuco was going to hang. That's that's eight, what it looked uh, like. Blondie, yeah. Yeah, that's what it looked like. So so Tuco. Oh, so. It probably was. It, yeah. That it, would make a lot of sense. Because it almost seemed like he went into the room where where everything caved in where they were. Mm-hmm. So. So Tuco goes into this uh, bombed out hotel. This guy on this like wagon train or whatever sees him. It's the guy from the beginning yep. who was part of the three that Tuco shot in this saloon. And what he blow his fingers off or something? Something like that. Yeah, he yeah. blew. He he disabled him. I think he blew off one of his arms or his fingers or something like that. And and so he follows Tuco in. Tuco is taking a bath. Dude, with so much soap, bro. <laughs> yeah. We just got yeah. a quick aside. Yeah. He put every full thing of soap they had in this bathtub. I'm he like, was dirty, though. He was dirty as hell. <laughs> I still feel like he wasn't clean after that bath. Bro. No, no. <laughs> he got in. That water instantly turned brown. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah. But and, what, this is one of the best scenes, bro. So it, you, scenes. you take it from here. All right, this is one of the best scenes. So two goes in the bath, right? Like Jamie just said, <laughs> the guy's creeping in and he's, you know, he thinks he's got Tuco. He's like, bro, he's in the bath. This man's got his guard down. He's butt naked. I'm going to get this man payback. So guy kicks the door open. Two goes in there taking a bath, butt naked. Tuco looks up. He obviously looks shocked, but not super shocked and the guy's giving a stupid little speech about how you messed me up and i got you and yada yada tuco blows this man's soul away through the water of the <laughs> bathtub because he had his gun in there with him and he says bro when you need to kill somebody don't talk just shoot one of the best lines in the movie and one of the most gangster scenes because you don't real you don't know tuco has his gun in there you're like yeah. oh shit man tuco's his back's against the wall. It wasn't. Tuco was always ready. And that was when you that's the moment I knew I was like, there's no one that's gonna kill this guy. I was yeah. like, this guy's not gonna die in this movie. I was like, yeah. he's not. And and there's so many times where you're like, he's dead. He's gonna die. And yeah. he just doesn't. No. So the gunshots go off. Blondie hears it. Now, Blondie at this point, he's already killed what? 
two of the dudes. I know he did. Two, no, he, one. One. He one. Because he wanted to walk around. And so Angel Eyes sent one of the guys with him. Mm-hmm. And so he killed the one. And so Blondie <laughs> comes into the building and sees Tuco. And Tuco's super happy to see Blondie, of course. He's like, yo, my buddy. Yeah. He's like, I've been looking for you, bro. He's like, bon- Blondie's like, essentially like, bro, I kind of need your help. Let's him know the situation with Angel Eyes, how he's got five more guys out yeah. there. And Tuco's like, ah, you want <laughs> help. So you come to Tuco. He's like, <laughs> I go and I kill him. He said, Blondie. Angel Eyes, he's mine. Yeah. He wanted Angel Eyes, and I don't blame him because Angel Eyes messed this man up good, bro. He was a POS. So uh, they go out, bro, and they put all these dudes down, bro. They were a really good team. and But, of course, they don't get Angel Eyes. You know he did you want Angel Eyes for himself. He did. He did. That's right. And, and I get it. I get it, too, but then... A lot of things make sense more now towards the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, so they they go to, to get Angel Eyes after they kill the other guys, and in the bed is the body of the guy that it, uh, Blondie had killed first. Mm-hmm. And a note that said something like... He basically was like, I'm going to see you again. Yeah, yeah, see you later. Yeah, basically yeah. like... I'm Ta-ta see for you. now. Yep, that's that for now, but I'm going to see you. This ain't over. Yeah, so they, so then they leave, uh, Tuco and and Blondie, and then they end up, they end up. Um, I I think this is my favorite scene. This is my favorite scene when when they they come up on this bridge, right? And Blondie's like, we should probably wait till dark. Mm-hmm. And Tuco's like, no, I'm really good with direction. I think I know exactly where we're going. <laughs> and then all these Union soldiers come out of these bushes. And two feet away is this huge encampment of Union soldiers. It's like, Tuka, how the hell did you yeah. not see this? That was so funny, <laughs> y'all. And, and yeah, and that's how, yes. yet again, so I jumped a little bit ahead earlier, but yes, that's yes. how they get oh back with the Union soldiers. And, and Tuka is like always getting them into like shitty situations. All the time. Yes. He, he can't help himself. He can't. He can't. <laughs> Tuka attracts terror like he's just he's one of them people everyone knows someone that no matter if you know they're around you know trouble ain't far away yeah that's tuco (laughs) that's tuco (laughs) yeah and and you're right that's where they meet the the drunk commander Mm -hmm. yes so they meet the drunk dude and so they meet a guy he's like um i'm guessing he would be the essentially the same rank that uh, Angel, Angel eyes, eyes was yeah, and they say they want to enlist. Yeah, they, yeah. that's where that's where they're they're, like, like, what are you doing here? Like, we want to enlist. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we want to enlist. We want to we want to kill we want to kill Confederates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, uh, okay. And so you know, two goes wild, loose cannon, and Blondie's a lot more um, um, reserved and preserved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so Tuco, the guy's pretty much telling Tuco and Blondie like, dude, war sucks. And the only he's like, we're going through the exact same stuff the other guys are going through. But the one thing we may fight for different causes, but we're all going through the same crap. And the one thing that's keeping us going is getting drunk. And this dude is wasted, bro. He's pounding this stuff out this big, like wicker looking jug. It looked like something from a Kurosawa movie. (laughs) It did. Yeah. 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 Some people would drink from there. 
and he's drinking out this jug and he uh he tries to give some to blondie and blondie's like nah i'm good and then he offers Tuco some, and of course Tuco fucking starts down yeah, it because yeah. it's Tuco. I swear that guy's voice was dubbed. Didn't it seem like? Oh he- yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. There's tons of dubs in that movie. Oh that yeah. Sp- so Leone he has everyone speak their own language and then dubs it over in post production. Oh okay, because I was wondering. I'm like, these guys are speaking English, yeah. But then this guy, his voice is like it didn't match. So deep, yeah, deep and deep. Yeah, yeah. He, it's like Barry White's voice mm-hmm. coming out of this white dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah i was like what yeah so that's that's what he does he okay. has everyone well that makes more sense thank you mm-hmm. yeah he has everyone spit their own language and then he post-production dubs it okay so the dude is like he's drunk but he likes tuco because he's like tuco you got the soldier mindset because you know he likes to drink and he's wild and stuff and what happens to the dude does he get shot? Yeah, because there's a charge. Because they right. th- there's a bridge that like the they bridge. can't blow up, and the Confederates can't blow up because it's the only way across the river. Mm-hmm. And so they end up like having this charge, and and they're fighting obviously the the north and the south, and then they bring him back. They're like, you know, this dude's hurt. This dude's hurt, and his big dream is to blow up this bridge, but he knows he can't do it. Yep, because they both sides need this bridge. Yep. And Blondie and Tuco are like, they end up liking the guy. Yeah. And they're like, bro, we're going to blow up the bridge for him. Yeah. We're going to make his dream come true before he dies. Before he dies. And, yo, they team up. They were a really good team. They were. They worked so well together because Blondie had the brains and common sense and Tuco had the balls to pull anything off. Yeah. So they worked really well together. So they blow up the bridge and you can tell they start bonding because – they're ready to con- like Tuco is ready to be like, yo, we should just tell each other our half of the secret. Yeah. And you know, they're kind of like, eh, I don't know though. Yeah. You know, they I still, still don't trust each other, don't but fully they trust each other. Just but in it's case like, one of them dies. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Cause if one of us died. We got to know. So it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't trust you, but I like you. It's like, I don't trust you, but I like you. Yeah. So, you know, they camp after they blow up the bridge and, all that cool stuff. And the bridge is the only way to the cemetery. It's the only way. Yeah, so yeah. They, it was a benefit to them too. Yeah, yeah. So Because they know. had to get the, the forces away from the cemetery so they could get there and get the stuff. Mm-hmm. The, that's a very important plot point that I forgot. Yep. They had to blow up the bridge to get the Union and the, and the Confederate forces away from the cemetery. Yep. So they blow that thing up and it gets them away. And they do tell each other their half of the secret. Now, Tuco tells Blondie his half. Blondie tells him his half, but it's false. Yes. And Blondie was smart because he is the smartest person in the movie. So Blondie knew Tuco would betray him. So in the morning, Tuco tries to take off and go to the freaking cemetery by himself. Yeah. And... Blondie starts shooting cannons at this dude yeah. crazy. And bro. somehow he ends up in the cemetery. He does. He, it, like, it almost like put him there. Yeah, like he yeah. like shot and chased him into the cemetery. Yeah. And like those things were going off. Like I was like, bro, he might kill this man. They yeah. were blown up. But right it's Tuco. Next to him. It's Tuco. He can't <laughs> so, die. Yeah. And Blondie smokes. Anyone who's seen a Clint Western, he's known for smoking these like little hand rolled like cigarette cigars and he like holds them in the side of his mouth and he's lighting the cannons with the end of the cigars <laughs> and it's super cool yeah and so he they, he's 
Tuco's getting blown up. He's not getting blown up, blown up, but like Tuco's, all around him. Yeah, all around him. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's in the cemetery. He's like, oh crap. What what, what freaking name does he tell him it's on it? Oh, Arch Stanton. Arch Stanton, that's right. Because so it's the Sand Hill Cemetery. The, yep. So yeah. he tells him it's Arch Stanton on the grave. And he goes running. He goes running. Because it's a huge, huge cemetery. Huge. Huge. I'll tell you right now. The, this is where the movie's unrealistic. Tuco wouldn't have found that grave that day. No, not <laughs> he wouldn't have found that no, grave. He would have no. found it maybe two or three days later. Yeah, there were so many graves. But I guess almost a quarter million dollars make you go crazy. Yeah, maybe. yeah, especially back then. That's yeah. like, that's retire for life money. But that's like Rockefeller money back then. Yeah, you dude. Know I'm I mean? like, that's like you're good. Yeah, like, hell, fifty grand back then. You're good. Yeah. So Tuco's running around like a madman, and he finds the freaking grave, Arch Stanton. So he finds it, and he finds his board, and he starts digging and digging and digging and digging. And, of course, there's nothing in that grave but a dead body. And who's standing behind him looking fresh as ever with the classic green poncho Oh, because he found it. That's right. He found it. Yeah, He found the poncho. Yep. And so you got a, a blondie standing behind Tuco, and he throws him a shovel. And he's like, you ain't going to find that grave. And he's like, why? He's like, because it's not buried in there. And he tells him where it's actually buried. It was actually buried in wait, the grave. Wait, wait, Because Angel Eyes shows up. He does, but doesn't he? Sh- no, yeah, he shows up before he tells yeah, him. Yeah, he shows That's up right. before he tells him. He tells him. So Angel Eye pulls up, yes. and he throws another shovel. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, why aren't you helping him? And he's like, I don't dig. Yeah. He's like, what, what? He uses a phrase. Oh, he's like, some guys have loaded guns, some guys dig. Yeah. And he says this to him later, though. We'll yeah, yeah. There. That's one of my favorite phrases he says. So Angel Eyes expects Blondie and Tuco to dig this up and hand him the money. Yeah. Now. And that's when they find out it's not in it's the grave. It's not in the grave. Yeah, yeah. It's not there. So he's like, how about this? He's like, it's not in that grave. He's like, I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to write what grave it's actually in. I'm going to put it down here. Last man standing gets the rock and get get the prize. Yeah. So this is when you hear the super iconic yes. score that you've heard in so many Westerns after this movie. You got one of the best Mexican standoffs of all time. So you got Blondie, Tuco, and Angel Eyes all perfectly distanced away from each other, staring each other down to see who's going to shoot first and get the rock and see where the grave is. And the tension build up here Incredible. is some of the best. It's you can't beat it. And the close up shots. The close yes, the yeah. eye close up shots <laughs> yes. and they're just looking at each other and you're like it, especially with it is, I'm so glad it felt new for you cuz when yeah. you watch it for the first time you're like bro, you're yeah. just like you're like who is he going to be? You're like what's going on? And like and they they build the tension just long enough to have you ready to explode. And when it happens, you're like, yo. Because I'm like, I don't care who gets the money as long as it ain't Angel Eyes. Yeah, I was yeah. like, he don't deserve it. He didn't put in any of the legwork for it. Like he didn't, he didn't have to walk through the desert, almost die, find yeah. the dude, almost no. get killed by Confederate soldiers, Union soldiers. Like he didn't deal blowing up bridges. He didn't deal with none of that. 
This man literally did no work and wanted all the reward. F him. Yeah. I was like, at least Tuco and Blondie worked for it. Yeah, they did really like, hard. Yeah, and I was like, bro, they both. And I was and so when I'm first watching, I'm watching standoff. I'm like, bro, they should both get the money because I'm like, they both worked for it. And, and and what you said earlier just reminded me because they they both go to shoot Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. But Tuco then realizes that there's no bullets in his gun. Yep. Which means he had told Blondie he wanted to be the one to kill Angel Eyes. Yep. And Blondie ends up killing Angel Eyes. He sure does. But Blondie had no choice because he couldn't trust Tuco with bullets. That's true. You're right. Because he was that good. He was that good. He knew knew Tuco could get him if he wanted to. He's like, this is probably the only dude who can get me. Actually, yeah, you're right. And he's like, this motherfucker won't die so he's like this guy you're right it was self-preservation it really was he's like bro i have to and he's like look because he knew he's like no matter what happens i'm gonna give you a little something bro we did do this together yeah and he knew and even if he had bullets though he knew he wouldn't shoot him first he knew he'd shoot angel yeah he was like it's fine i'll kill angel eyes you won't kill me and we'll be good yeah Blondie set that up smart. So what happens is when they finally pull the pistols, Blondie shoots Angel Eyes. Tuco goes to shoot Angel Eyes, but Tuco has no bullets. So Blondie shoots Angel Eyes like five times. So oh, yeah. Shoots him into, into the grave that was already <laughs> dug there. Yes, yes. And he perfectly falls in it. And Tuco, he's like, you mother effer. When would you unload my gun? He said, I did it last night when you were asleep because I didn't trust you. And he's like, you trying to get me killed? And he's like, I think Blondie also knew Angel Eyes will try and kill me because he thinks I'm more of a threat. Yeah. Even though it's probably Tuco. Yeah, but he's yeah. like, I, he'll probably try and kill me. So I'll shoot him first. So Angel Eyes is gone. Tuco and Blondie, they now are sitting here at a crossroads. What do we do? Blondie shows Tuco the rock. There's nothing on it. He's like, the money is buried in the grave next to Archie Stanton that says unknown. So, Because there's nothing on that grave and there's nothing on this rock. Yep, nothing yeah. on that grave and nothing on that rock. So yeah. Blondie points a gun at Tuco. He says, start digging. There's two kinds of people in this world. People with loaded <laughs> guns and people who dig. You dig. <laughs> so yeah. Tuco digs it up and the money is there and i'd be pissed because i feel like this was a pipe dream but you know yeah it was there so the money's there and he's all happy he's like we're rich blondie yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know and so and after he looks up there is a long rope noose, noose hanging from the tree and blondie's pointing a gun at Tuco. Blondie tells Tuco to step up on this little wooden weird thing. A wooden cross like, oh, yeah, at yeah, the grave. Like, yeah, 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 it was, it was a, a cross. cross. That's right. It was a wooden yeah. cross. There's a which lot of was Catholic probably imagery in these Very films. poorly made. Yeah, um, yeah. You can see because it starting to, starts to break. Yeah. So he climbs up on this cross and he says, Tuco, put your head in that noose, boy. And he's like, Blondie, quit bullshit. He's yeah, like, bro. basically, he's yeah. like, come on, bro. I know we've been through a lot, but, you know, come <laughs> on, bro. Tuco puts his head in that noose, and he's standing on this cross. So the cross is shaking and breaking, and the noose, once that cross breaks, 
Tuco's going to die. So the cross is starting to shake, and Tuco is screaming for Blondie. Blondie takes half the money, puts it on his horse, and rides away. And he's getting far. And I knew when I first saw it, I'm like, bro, turn around and shoot this man down. Cool I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, Tuco's going to die. Yo, I was like, this yo, is the one time he's actually going to die. Actually, I was with like, all the money that he with, ever wanted. Yo, yeah, and I'm like, and, and also I was like, Blondie, if you don't cut this man down, you're a sick bastard for not like <laughs> it's like it's like when when they put the um when you're on the uh treadmill and someone hangs like a, a burger in front oh, of you that yeah. you're running to. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what he did to Tuco. Yeah. I'm like, bro, this is real effed up. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, if he dies, I'm, this movie's horrible. I was like, you can't <laughs> die. And so blonde like Tuco's screaming for Blondie. He's like, Blondie. <laughs> and he gets far and like you know two bro that cross starting to break tuco starting to lose lose yeah his grip. you can like, see the news tightening yeah, it's tightening yes he's like it's starting to get it's starting to get real and i'm like oh my god bro is he gonna let this man die and blondie gets a good what half a mile away yeah, maybe probably. it was far it he was very far. far he got far blondie turns around pulls his rifle out Puts it over his over his forearm in that western stance, and he shoots Tuco down. Tuco falls off the cross, face first into all his money. And as his face hits the money, the name the the ugly. ugly comes back up. <laughs> and then and the, the, bad show, shows the bad shows and Cleef laying in his grave <laughs> dead. And then they show Blondie with the rifle still over his forearm, and the good rolls up. And Tuco gets up and he yells out and he calls Blondie a son of a bitch as he's riding away. But but, but when when he says bitch, that's when the the music cue. Yes, comes that's up. when the music cues, and yeah. it's just perfect editing. It was the ending of that movie is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's one of the best endings to any western. And I think that's why it's probably my favorite Western. It's for a three hour movie. It's so rewatchable. I've seen it so many times. I'm like, I've watched smooth quite a bit. It's a great film. And what Sergio Leone was able to pull off in Italy with all these random actors and guys who don't even speak the same language. And yeah, it just flowed, man. And it really set the standard of like, it, it, it put spaghetti westerns in a positive light because spaghetti westerns was not getting love like that, especially in America, you know, with patriotism. Well, I think he was able to show a different side to the West because it wasn't an American Western. Yes, I so, think so too. And And even though like in The Searchers, in this film, and to an extent even Tombstone, but I'll get into that later – it's weird because it's almost like revisionist in a way. Yeah. And how like, you know, they show good Southerners, mm -hmm. even though they were fighting for like probably the worst thing in the world. They were, they were, they were portrayed as regular guys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so they're almost more relatable, mm -hmm. even though ideologically you might not agree with them, mm -hmm. which but you're like in a given situation, like, I have to talk to these guys. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a brilliant film. It's it was a different tone to the searchers, even though they're both set in the backdrop of the Civil War. Yeah. 
Um, one, the good, the bad, I think is much more action and character driven than the surf searchers. The searchers is family driven, romance driven. Yeah. It has its action, don't get me wrong. And it's and it's racially driven. You don't get much racial tension in the good, bad, and the ugly at all. Even yeah. though Tuco's a Mexican guy, yeah. even though they're in the Civil War, everyone kind of treats everyone like regular people. Yeah. And no matter, even in the class structures, they don't seem to, the poor people don't really seem to get mistreated. You know, the rich seem to kind of keep to themselves. It's a different kind of film. And I think that Leone not being American maybe didn't understand how things really were because i think yeah. the searchers set a more realistic american tone of how people were towards others yes yeah um but i think the good the bad and the ugly as far as an adventure story because it is also an adventure yeah story, oh yeah they're looking is. for something and just completely. like in the searchers yeah i think although what they were looking for in the searchers was far more important than gold the journey and the good and the bad is just way more fun. You yeah, know, it's yeah. more it's more of a ride. And I felt like Tuco and Blondie actually grew a lot as characters. And although the searchers, John Wayne, did grow a lot, none of the other characters really did. Like they all kind of were there. It was the searchers was more of a vehicle for John Wayne's character, where I felt like the good, yeah. the bad was a vehicle for the three leads yeah and they all even though angel eyes he doesn't develop he learned quickly the error of his ways yeah you know did, so did. and tuco yeah. also learned that hell maybe i gotta trust sometimes yeah maybe i'm not in this alone and i think when he looks back he's like Yo, Blonde could have killed me and took all that money for himself he didn't yeah and i think he learned a lot from that and i think blonde learned dude don't ever 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 underestimate your opponent under any circumstance because yeah. he know you know he thought he was better than Tuco. oh you know yeah he thought he was that's smarter, why he, he left him for dead yeah he know you know he thought he was better and yeah. he learned quickly wow this guy is not to be messed with you no know? not at all Tuco is God, Eli Wallach, it just <laughs> blows my mind. Brilliant. I was he like, was, this guy yeah. is amazing. And, and here's the crazy part. Like, I hate to point this out, but Eli Wallach is not Mexican. But what what is he? Um... He's he's like Jewish Polish. Okay. Like, I, God, I, I look it up. Mexican as hell. I know. That's what I mean. Like, how good was he at his job of acting oh, he was that you believe that he was. If that guy wasn't Mexican, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he's more Mexican than a Mexican. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, like that blows my mind. I don't know. I know people nowadays would be like, there's plenty of Mexican actors that could play that. And nowadays, yes, there are. Back then, no. No, no. So it's like the fact that he obviously did his homework mm -hmm. and cared enough about accurate representation. Yes, that's what like he he was very yeah. accurate in his portrayal. Yeah. For the time period, absolutely. Yeah. And he didn't make them look like although yes, he was supposed to be like almost a, a stereotype character. Yeah. yeah. He still you still admired him cuz he was hella smart and resilient and you're like, dude, this dude, yeah. He's he knows what to do. It was yeah. he was the most likable character and I think that was a nice portrayal where 
the non-white guy was the guy that you kind of root for because i'm yeah. like i don't care if you're when it comes to good and bad guys doesn't matter if you're watching the good bad and the ugly by like the start of the third act you're probably rooting for tuco to get you are <laughs> like, you are <laughs> You are. You don't even care about Clint Eastwood. You really honestly, don't. I'm like, this is the yeah. most. Clint's in the whole movie, but like, Tuco is the main guy. Yeah. He's like, the and he's the better actor. Force. And he is. He really was. Yeah. Like, like he, he elevated everyone else's performance instead of everyone else helping him. Helping him. Yep. Yeah. He really did. He changed the game crazy. Yeah. So, letter grade final grade oh my god it's a plus plus i'd have yeah, to say a plus for me too man yeah like, you can't so good <laughs> and and i'm so glad you suggested watching it because mm-hmm. it's just so like this man needs this in his life yeah like, he does all right guys let's get into a quick intermission we'll try and speed this up the good the bad yes. three hours so that was a lot to cover guys yeah so i'm i'll hit you i'll give you we'll do i got three movie release years i'll, I'll okay. go first all right the shootest john wayne oh my gosh is that it's it's one of his late films late films 76 damn bro you were good that's the one with ron howard right uh-huh. yes wow wow damn, you're good all right you'll probably get this one i thought this was funny i just was because you know it's like a western theme but this is kind of a weird western one cowboys and aliens oh i love that movie that was i want to say 2011 yep 2011. oh my god daniel craig daniel harrison craig ford. and harrison ford oh, man. that is actually a great movie it's john favreau yes i was yes. like it's it's way better than i thought it was gonna be I'll yeah in, like, incredible it's a comic terrible. book movie it's based That's on a, a comic, comic book. book. Didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. That, that movie is so good. Yeah. That's, I'm like, yeah. Cause when I was like, I was like, I'm about to watch that soon. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Incredible. All right. Last one. Non-Western. Okay. You'll get it though. Lethal Weapon 1. Oh, 87. 1987. Yep. yep. There you go. Yeah. All right. What you got? Movie release. Okay. I, I, I have to, the first, when was the first Batman film released? Film like like ever like first film a first live action Batman film. Is well, it Tim Burton's? No. So it is not nineteen. That sounds like it's not eighty nine. Then um, no. Who plays Batman in it? I believe Robert Lowry was his name. Oh, shit. I'm gonna say nineteen sixty eight. 1943. Holy fuck. Movie? Yeah, it was it was a serial, so it was like a chapter each week, but it's like a three and a half hour movie when oh. you watch it all together. Oh, mm. stomp me there. All right, because I, I know you're a Batman fan. That's oh, why yeah, I'm asking. I like, I like Batman a lot. When was the Adam West Batman film released? Film. Yeah, because you know the show. Because the show was what? Uh... What late fifties, early sixties? It was it was the mid to late sixties. Mid to late, so I was like, yeah. The show ended what, like sixty seven? Show actually ended sixty eight. Sixty eight. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm gonna say the movie's nineteen sixty nine. Sixty six. Sixty six. Right it after was the, the, the first was, season. Oh. Yeah. I never saw it. Really is it good? Because I've seen the show. Yeah. But I've never seen the movie. The movie is, uh, you know how they have jokes about like bat bat shark repellent and mm-hmm. stuff. That's in the movie. Wow. Yeah. The movie isn't bad it just kind of amps up what was in the show and there's uh four main villains instead of just one like they did every week the double episodes yeah yeah there's just four villains is it 
um, on Max. It is. It's wow. on HBO Max. All right. I'm off. Yeah, that yeah. Then. If you go in, there's hubs at the bottom. There's a DC hub, and you can go A to Z. There's so much Batman stuff. Okay. Including all the animated. Yo, because I've been wanting to watch, um, was it Batman Beyond? No, oh, that's my on there. God, so good. And I think they even have, believe it or not, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Have you ever Yo, seen that? Yes. Oh, that was fire God. too. I was, bro, because I was like, when that yeah. came out, I think I was like maybe like nine or something. Yeah, because I was like Ooh. 2000. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I was about nine. Yeah. So I'm like, bro, that was going so hard when I was a kid. That was, was the, the best, best. Batman. Yeah. So I was like, I was yeah. like so hype on that one. All right, what else you got? All right, so I I guess um, I don't know if I have any movie release years. Okay, I might I could just come up with one off the top of my head. Oh man, you're good. Because I I have these other questions that were actually go ahead, give fun. me those. Okay, um, I had when did the Searchers take place? The film that we just talked like, about, like. Civil War, post Civil War. Like, it, it, it's it's a five year period. Oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. five year period. So it was. Oh, what years? Yeah, yeah. What oh, years? yeah. It was uh, sixty eight, seventy three. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when was the gunfight at the OK Corral? Since we're going to be talking about Tombstone, like what time? What, what year? What year was it? Yeah. Oh, shoot. It, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's a gonna <laughs> I'm going to say 1872. 1881. 81. Wow, I was a little later. I was a little off. Now, because this also happens in Tombstone, what year did Doc Holliday die? Oh. Because 80, 83? 1887. 1887. Oh, he lived a lot longer than I realized. Yeah. Now, why was he called Doc Holliday? I mean, I don't have this as a question, but I, I decided to look it up because I was, was interested. Was he a dentist? He was a dentist. Yeah, he was a dentist. Yeah. And he, graduated, he was highly educated, yeah. He graduated from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Dental school. Like he was highly educated, yeah. but I guess dentistry wasn't really popping off, and that's when he got into gambling. Well, he... Um, his mother died of tuberculosis yeah, when he was 15. TV, right, yeah. And he took care of her when she was contagious. That's how he got it. And they told him drier climates would help him live longer. So that's when he went out well, west. Went west. And that's right. when he became a gambler because that was, you know, a reputable how profession money, back then. Dude. Dude, yeah. He was rich. Yeah. They said he pulled up like 50 grand on him back then. Man. Yeah. Like he was papered. Yeah. So. All right, those are some good questions. Now, now, do you have any uh, multiple choice questions? I do. Okay. How many movies did John Wayne and John Ford do? Oh my god, that's a tough one because I know Stagecoach was their first one in like 1930. Yeah, something I got, crazy. I got, like I got that. some choice. Okay, questions. I'm sorry. Here you go. A, uh, ten. B, fourteen. C, seventeen. Or D, twelve. God, honestly. I want to say the high one, 17. That's going to be the next closest answer. It's B, 14. Really? Mm-hmm. I knew it would be up there just because they'd worked for decades. Yeah, it was a Like, long off time. and on with each other. All right. How many movies did Sergio Leone and Clint Eastwood do? I want to say that they only did three. Correct. Yeah, the, the Dollars trilogy. Yep. And for a few dollars more, it would be the third one. Yep. And yeah. Or the they, second, oh, second, second, second yeah, technically, um, but yep. since we talked about the other two, because I guess Clint did not like Leone. Really, mm-hmm. that's the guy who gave him his career. He pretty much did, but I guess 
I guess a lot of people didn't like him. I guess he was hard to work with. And but look at what he was doing. How innovative and yeah. Look, yeah. look after ripping off Yo Jimbo, like he mm-hmm. really he was like, I gotta hit the gas. Yeah, I was watching, like, bro, to come up with the good and the bad after that, and then only two years later. Yeah, I'm like, you were. He had a plan. Yeah. He had a plan. And I think, and looking back on it, he was probably, I'm going to make this Yojimbo remake as like an experiment. Yeah. See if these other as a springboard. Work. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Random, not Western related, but I don't know why I picked this. Okay. What film kicked off the Disney Renaissance? Oh, wait, what do you mean by Disney Renaissance? Like, like so the newer the period, one? No, so the period, so the eight was 89 and to 99. Okay, it would be The Little Mermaid. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just need to know the years. Yep, yep, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the, the Disney Renaissance. Since that's period. coming out next week. The yeah, it is. Live action remake. Not excited for it, but, you know. Any of these Disney live action remakes? Not a fan of any of them except yeah. Beauty of the Beast, and that's only because Emma Watson is so fine. But you know what? Um, my God, Dan Stevens was great, though, as the Beast, too. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was. He, he was. was. I think everyone, that was the one, for me, that came together the best. Yeah. But Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorites, too, and, so. And I hate to say this, but Will Smith was great as the genie. Oh, he was in good Aladdin. as genie. He was yeah. good as genie. He was definitely, he was, that movie wasn't bad. It was decent. He yeah. was the most enjoyable part for me. And and I realize now, in hindsight, like, every time he would sing, right, because mm-hmm. it's a musical, those Will Smith songs would really slap. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> they would. Ask Chris. That's right. <laughs> okay. Now, what TV series did Clint Eastwood star in for eight seasons? Oh, crap. Okay. I, I have, It's multiple choice if okay. you want. Okay. I definitely want that. Gunsmoke, The Virginian, or Rawhide? Rawhide. Rawhide, yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know this once I hear it. What series did Kurt Russell star in from 1963 to 1964? Have Gun Will Travel, This Gun for Hire, Gunsmoke, or The Travels of Jamie McFeeders? This Gun for Hire? The Travels of Jamie McFeeders. It was a Western TV show. Sounds Western. Yeah, but he was like an early teenager. Yeah, I was like, he had to be young because... What the the computer with the shoes or whatever it was is the, what, the later sixties? That was like sixty nine, right? Yeah, like yeah, because yeah, he was like Disney's number one star, like in the seventies, and a child star who didn't go crazy. That's true. He's like the perfect example. Now, th- this isn't uh, a Western question, Don't matter. but it's a Jeffrey Hunter question. Okay, what captain did Jeffrey Hunter play in the original pilot for Star Trek: The Cage? That's the name of the, the episode. Captain Robert April, Captain Christopher Pike, Captain James R. Kirk, or Captain James T. Kirk? Captain James T. Kirk. He was Captain Christopher Pike. Dang. And I only put James R. Kirk because in the, the next pilot episode, it had a tombstone that said that. And then, oh. and then after that, they made it James T. Kirk. Dang. But he was Captain Pike. Dang. The original... Captain on Star Trek. I, I I might have to get my my Star Trek game up because my Star Trek game is it's, well, it's down. I do want to see um, what is it? The second Star Trek movie from back in the day. What is it? Uh, Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Oh my god! I see that. I heard it's great. Yeah, Ricardo Montalban. It's good. Yeah, it's really okay. good. Do I need to watch the first one? No, because Star Trek the motion picture is almost like a different. It was sort of like a reaction to Star Wars coming out. Okay. You know, uh, and that's then what I heard. and then people being like, "Hey, we're still here too," you know. Mm-hmm. Reruns and an animated series they had in the 70s also. 
But yeah, from two on, I would say two, three, and four are probably the best of the original movies. I want to watch Wrath of Khan. I've been hearing a lot about that one. Yeah. All right. What's your streaming recommendation? Oh, my streaming recommendation. You know, I I thought about some things, and I might just say what we were just talking about. HBO Max has Batman Year One. Okay. And Batman The Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2, which adapt like two incredible Frank Miller comics very faithfully. Frank Mills, man. Yeah. Because, I, like I said, I know you're a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, man, they should have made that movie. Oh, yeah. Dude. Frank Miller. And it's crazy because, I mean, y'all saw, well, y'all saw Sin City. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know why y'all wouldn't want to make it. Yeah, because he obviously knew what he was doing Mm writing-wise. And that would have been before uh, Darren Afronosky and Frank Miller were going to do a Batman Year One movie like 20 years ago. That would have been sick. With Joaquin Phoenix as Bruce Wayne. That would have been freaking sick. But, you know, they ended up, I don't know why Warner Brothers didn't go with it, but then it's before Frank Miller did The Spirit. Did you see his movie, The Spirit, with, like, uh, Gabrielle Macht and uh, uh, Samuel Jackson? I didn't see it. It's, it's yeah, it's the same style as Sin City. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is an older comic book character from the 40s that pretty much influenced everything, but he was a comic strip. So it was, like, Sunday papers, like, a full page each sunday yeah his version of it isn't bad it just showed that like what he as a writer and even maybe a director because i think he co-directed since with robert rodriguez with with bobby rod yeah Yeah. like what he would have been able to do so yeah we were robbed of it but but the cartoons are actually incredible all right the the animated films yeah dc's animated films are stellar they are i mean you ever seen batman ninja I haven't yet. Dude, it's awesome. It looks incredible. It's awesome. I yeah. It. It's like anime inspired, yeah, I'm right? I'm a huge anime fan. Yeah. So like, I, was, I had to see it. It's, it's awesome. Batman it's Ninja's on HBO Max. Or yeah. soon to be Max. Yeah. Soon to be Max. Yeah, soon to be Max. <laughs> That's, dude, it's great. Or maybe by the time this is out, Max. Max. <laughs> that's, what, I mean, that's what I call it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably the better name. Your streaming recommendation. I'm sorry. 1971. The Beguiled, Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. It's on Tubi. Is it? Okay. Uh-huh. So Tubi's incredible. Free. free. Yep. Yeah, Dude, Tubi. There's some stuff on there, man. Uh, just a real quick aside about Tubi. You mentioned James Woods, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I think he ever did on Tubi is one of my favorite shows of all time, Welcome Back, Cotter. The first episode, he plays one of the teachers that works with Gabe Kaplan in the school. Wow. James and, Woods, And man. if you see him, you'd be like... I can't believe that's effing James Woods. Well, he's probably super young, huh? Super young and super 70s. Oh, wow. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, if you see him, you're like, what? what? But yeah, it's on Tubi. Okay. Yeah. Tubi's great, man. Yeah. But The Beguiled's a fun Clint Eastwood movie. It's like, kind of like a revisionist Western thriller. And it kind of goes what we were talking about because it's set in the Civil War. He's a, okay. he's a war soldier. He's a Union guy in this. And he ends up in a house with a bunch of women. I'm going to leave it there because it's definitely worth watching. Was way better than I expected it to be. Check that out, guys. All right. We're running up on time. So let's jump right into Tombstone 1993. Yes. Um, so 
it's technically directed by George that was George Casmatas. Yeah. But technically Kurt Russell directed a lot of this movie too. There's a lot of problems with this movie. They fired the original director. They got the George Casmatas. No one liked him. They had to rewrite a bunch of stuff on the fly. Like Kurt Russell was the only person who could talk between the actors and and the director and it was just a disaster so the fact that this movie even came out let alone being as good as it is yeah is kind of crazy so and who wasn't in this movie dude everybody i kept seeing so many people um the the villain from the avatar movies was in it. he was mcmaster's he was the one guy that they kept letting go, and then he'd come back and oh, try to kill yeah, him. Yeah, dude. He What's was his name? The Stephen Lang. Yeah, he yeah. was the worst in there. His name, dude, uh, Yondu, um, is well, in it. Yeah, well, yeah, man. Like, yeah, you got dude Yondu and Ego from yeah, Guardians Volume Two. Like, you got, bro. You got Billy Zane. Billy Zane. You got Michael Bean. Oh yeah, Michael Powers Bean. Booth. Yeah. You got obviously you got Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott, Sandman from Spider Man. Um, I wish Thomas Hayden Church was yep. in it. You got a quick cameo from Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, that's yeah, right because he's, he's the the dealer, he's the, the dealer. Yeah, yes. he slaps him in the face. Yes, and you yes. get a great one liner from Kurt Russell. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? <laughs> very Kurt Russell line. Yeah. Like, I feel like he wrote that for himself. Um, <laughs> guys, Tombstone. Tombstone is is probably the most bro out western that was ever made. It's it's first of all, it's it's you know it's technically a neo western. It's you know past the prime of westerns, but the cinematography isn't good. The score isn't good. <laughs> Um, it's like a, a lot of the characters are very flat and have it's like an independent no film. Yeah, it feels like an independent film. Yeah, but somehow this is still one of the most badass movies ever made. I don't know how it lacks a lot of the charm that, for me at least, is in a lot of westerns. But it's saved with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer for one <laughs> is yeah. the Val Kilmer is the main reason to watch this movie. But <laughs> hey, you got to give up to Michael Bean too. Yo, he yeah. was great. I want your blood, and I want your souls, <laughs> and I want them both right now. One of my favorite lines in that movie. Uh, it, it's just so quotable. It's a very, the dialogue's very easy to get on board with. It's got good action. The costume designs are great, but a lot of the Western elements that we love in classic Westerns are not there. This feels like an action movie with cowboys. It doesn't yeah, feel like right. a Western. You know, it yeah. lacks that Western feel and grit. The romance in it is horrible. Terrible. It's terrible. Um, it's because, you know, his common-law wife that is hooked to Laudanum, like, she used to be a prostitute, and then he's hooking up with another woman yeah, who's basically another he's basically prostitute. basically another prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kurt's like, I just love hookers. <laughs> you know, he's like, I can't. Yeah, I'm an oak, all right. Yeah, you know, he knew. Yeah, and Val Kilmer knew he was going to try and get at her, you know Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, but Tombstone, here's the thing. I'm going to lay out the plot of Tombstone really quick. Cause yeah. We don't need to break it down like we did the other two films. I think the other two films were more important to break down. Yeah. But Tombstone, the reason I wanted to discuss Tombstone is because Tombstone had has such great themes in it, and it's still a Western, 
but it's a very different Western than those classic two Westerns we just discussed. Yet it is still considered one of the best Westerns ever made. And if you ask anybody who's like in their like early to mid late forties right now, who are like probably like a teenager or like early twenties when Tombstone came up, they probably seen it a million times. Like I've seen Tombstone a million times. It's so rewatchable, but it's not the best Western ever made. But my God, it's definitely one that anyone could watch and have a good time with. So Tombstone, real quick, you got Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott, their brothers. They were lawmen in the town they were at before. They moved to Tombstone to make some money and start a new life. And of course, their old lawman ways can't escape them. So they try and save Tombstone from itself, essentially. Doc Holliday, Val Kilmer's character, comes into the mix he's good friends with kurt russell's character um wyatt earp who these are based on real people by the way um if you know the story of wyatt earp doc holiday you can go ahead and look that up there's tons of things made on them Mm -hmm. but they get there and they pretty much start making money then they become lawmen and they put some law and order in a tombstone that's what it's about yeah that is the basic story that's the basic story there is not there's not a lot of crazy character development, really. Mm. Like you get the you get a sad arc with Val Kilmer's character. It's almost a revenge story. It's a revenge story, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of this like feels like it's just really shot on the fly. It feels like everything's so fast paced. They don't flesh much things out. By God, it still works for some reason. <laughs> You're right, dude. And it really only Kilmer, takes place in like one in period. one little small spot. There are like yeah. three little buildings. Yeah, they go yeah. in the woods at one point. Yeah, and that's like it. Yeah, like this this movie's so minimal. It's very minimal. You get so you got these cowboys right, and they all wear red sashes, and. The funny thing is the making of the film is like it, in the actual making, it really was like the wider gang versus the Cowboys. Cause like Michael Bean and Powers Booth and all them, they hung out offset together oh, okay. and Val Comer and Kurt Russell and them, they hung out offset together and they did not talk or cross paths or, and when oh, they wow. did, it was all animosity, but it, Michael Bean said, he's like, it made the film more, you know, yeah. to life more when we were interacting with each other. So these cowboys have been terrorizing people and terrorizing the town. And so people were scared to walk the streets. And when Kurt Russell and them get there, you know, they start growing a conscious because they're like, we're making all this money off these people, but we ain't helping them out. So of course, Sam Elliott wants to become the superhero and he takes on the reins of the lawman and then hey, he recruits with, Bill Paxton with great mustaches with come great mustache responsibility game, <laughs> mustache game costumes and mustache game in this movie is on a thousand okay it's great everyone's western gear. Kurt Russell has one of the best mustaches of all time oh movie. yeah he I was looking it. fly he looked he was looking fresh man him and Val Kilmer were fresh in this movie even though Val Kilmer's dying looks like he's on drugs yeah he looks horrible he's sweating the whole time yeah, bro he's yeah. really pale but by god if that's not the smoothest dude you've ever he seen in a western man he I could quote that man all day from this movie Val Kilmer is the reason to watch this film guys he really is he's smooth elegant classy educated and everyone is afraid of him even the cowboys mm-hmm. every time 
every time him and Ringo are going to interact, they yeah. always stop him. Yeah. They're like, Johnny, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. You see why, though, at the end. Yeah. And it's like, this dude's dying, yet he's still killing everyone in his path. <laughs> he is. Everyone in his path. He is. So I've been yapping. I gave y'all, re- Jamie. I really wanted him to watch this movie. Yes. This, I've been on him about this movie for months. So now that you've seen it, I want you to tell us what you thought about it and how you felt. I uh, I like the way you describe it because that is basically the film. The film is, you know, these guys roll into town and then they just kind of like kick ass and take names. That's yeah. basically what it is. Very basic plot, guys. Yeah. And, you know, watching it, I couldn't help but see like – Obviously, all these young actors that I remember, or young, they were younger because it's like 30 years old now, the mm-hmm. film. But I I actually did enjoy it. I, I've not been much of a Western fan, mm-hmm. but obviously the ones you have me watch, I'm like, I love these films. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, so I was like, I'm going yeah. to put you on some. <laughs> but I I remember thinking like, like, once again, you have Doc Holliday, who's like a Southern gentleman, so he would have grown up. You know, during the what do they call it, like the antebellum South or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you still have a hero who's it's you're humanizing again uh, a a Southern uh, someone who his father. I I did a little bit of research because I was curious. His father fought for the Confederacy. Oh, I'll figure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's from Georgia. Yeah. So you know, so it's like once again you have you know a Southern hero. Because he's the guy you are rooting for in the movie. Mm-hmm. Even though, obviously, Wyatt Earp is the main guy, but you know Doc is dying, so you're like, you know, you feel Doc bad because, yeah. And it's it's crazy because all three of these films, like I said, they, they have you try to sympathize, I think, with the Southern uh, person rather than the Southern ideology. Yes. And that's a very good point you brought up because it's like, hmm, we – I can't get behind what the South was about. Yes. But we are all people and individuals. And yeah. Despite people, people grow as people. People grew up at one point. People thought the earth was flat. That's true. So Some people I, still do. Yeah, that, that is strangely, true. strangely <laughs> enough. They do flat earthers. Yeah. It just but, has to go through puberty. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's all it has to do. Yeah. Like, so obviously we grow as a people and our ideologies change. Our thoughts change. Our values change. And I like a lot of these films, just like you said, you see, you empathize with some of these people who grow up and probably have been conditioned to have terrible minds. Yes, yes. And that, and they were just doing their duty, really. A lot of them at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, And And I think that's what uh, I really realized in this film. It's the uh, the humanity of the characters, even though, like, I think you said it's kind of one-dimensional, and it can be like like a flat Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you still empathize with Doc Holliday because even if you don't know what's wrong with him, you know he's sick. Mm-hmm. And you know he's dying because I think doesn't call for blood at oh, a few yeah. points. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's the universal sign for tuberculosis for yep. one thing, especially at that time. But you know, you you find yourself. Uh, like rooting for who is supposed to be good, but like in the good and the bad and the ugly, or even the searchers, like there's so much murder. So who really is good and who really is bad? Yeah. Cause does murdering the bad guys justify 
you be as good, even though you're murdering just like they do. Yeah, because they killed, they killed all them dudes. Yeah, that, that's that's what I think I took away from it. Like, I'm I'm confused as to because they're supposed to be law and order, mm-hmm. and they're just indiscriminately murdering people. And I don't think any, I, I don't want to get too political for now, but it doesn't seem like much has changed. Yeah, and if we see these representations, is that part of it? I mean, that's a really good point you yeah. up there, man. Because, because like Kurt Russell at one point he says, "If I see you wearing a red sash, I'm gonna kill you." Yeah, no questions asked. Yeah, none of that. Ain't no jail. Not you dying. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like you could take a you could even take a religious step to it. It's like, well, who made you God? Yes. And who yes. gave you the power to decide who gets to live and die? Because no one should really decide that. Yeah. No one man should have all that power, like Kanye West said. I think if we're gonna go like literal, the one who would have given him the power would have been, I think, Eli Whitney was the first guy to do interchangeable parts yeah, he in was a gun. On the, yeah, with the... With, with the revolver or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So he would have been the one who gave him the right Damn, by he, making Eli it Whitney easier. Eli did that for guns, too. He made the cotton the gin, cotton too, gin. right? That yeah. dude was smart as hell. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he held black people a lot he back did. then, bro. I, honestly, it sounds weird, but he did. Because <laughs> have you ever seen hands from... Oh, my God. Yeah, that would. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm like, yo, he, he came clutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. But that, yeah. I, I mean, you're right, though, man. Like, who are these guys heroes? Yeah. Are they? That That's really the question. And then and then when you look at, like, what his life was like before that, because, you know, the, the woman he was with in real life, before they moved uh, to Tombstone, they had a brothel. She was a hoe. And he was a. Maybe it could have been a pimp, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he could have been a pimp, or he was at yeah. least a member of the club. Yeah, <laughs> so, so like, he was not necessarily law-abiding, and then he ends up becoming a lawman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, And like, your wife is a drug addict. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like, I that I think that's what I took away from it. I was, I was more confused from a modern point of view of, like, how law and order is represented and what that means for, like... Looking at Law and Order now, yeah, because Law and Order now is definitely different than it was back then. Yeah, but in a weird way, in Tombstone, they were tr- at first they were trying to be quite civilized. And they not were think fair about how they went about it. Like when they were like, "All right, listen, guys, rules are simple. You can have your guns. You just yeah. can't carry it in town." And 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 they wouldn't shoot anybody. They were just like uh, pistol whip them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Let's just in, disarm. Of, yeah, because Kurt yeah. Russell wasn't trying to kill nobody. Yeah, at know, first, really at first, and then yeah, you know, got ri- once they shot at the women though. That's, yeah, dude, like, and even because like even in the movie they say it. They're like, bro, who does that? Like, no one does that. Yeah, and I was reading about it, and they're like, bro, nobody was shooting at women like that back no, in the day. No. Was like, like it was just it was a strictly male thing like that's yeah i'm like and then and then they kill his brother though 
And that's when it becomes a revenge story. Yeah, and that's when you, it leads to one of the worst and cringiest scenes in film history when Kurt Russell's out in that rain and it's only raining on him and not the rest of the town. Yeah. Looks <laughs> terrible. And he's not really getting wet either, is he's he? He's not really getting wet. Yeah. Bro. He stayed quite dry in that scenario, bro. Yeah. And then the scene at the end when he meets up with the chick and they're dancing in the snow, that oh. was cringy. I was like, there's some that's what like it's not a perfect film and a lot of people are so wrapped up in the performances and the action that they overlook a lot of the errors and flaws in the film (laughs) and that's okay because there's movies like that i'm enamored with too that i'm like bro i don't care what it's that good and like tombstone i'm on that team too i love tombstone i could watch tombstone anytime but it lacks a lot of the western stuff i love like like the sweeping landscape yes man the cinematography cinematography is not there no there's like none really it's just filming you're filming scenes it could have been an episode of gunsmoke it really it's a long Like R-rated version of the episode of Gunsmoke. <laughs> yeah, with, basically. With, with a cool adding character that really stole the show. Yeah. Val Kilmer, he definitely takes... I'm going to tell you right now, without Val Kilmer, we wouldn't even be talking about Tombstone right now. I, I can agree. We would not. He's yeah. a scene stealer, a show stealer. He felt more like Wyatt's brother than Bill Paxton and Sam Elliott's characters did. You know what? You're right. He... He did. Yeah. He didn't feel like his brother. They felt like friends. Doc felt like a brother. Doc was putting himself on the line, his health on the line, to help them when he didn't have to. Yeah. Whereas the other brothers are like, man, we don't even want to be a part of this crap. Yeah. Doc's like, I'm all in it, baby. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, Doc had his chick, you know, big nose Kate. She was. <laughs> he, was that her name? I don't even that's know. That's her name. Oh, wow. And wow. like. You know, she's trying to, the doctor's literally like, you need to stop everything you're doing. And she's like, have another cigarette. All good. Yeah, have, have a, a drink. Smoke and a drink. And, and I'm going to. Let me let me take care of you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, God damn, woman. Yeah. Like he even says, you might be the Antichrist, bro. Like, <laughs> he, he does say that. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, yeah. oh, bro, this woman is not, man. I'm like, she's cute, but. You know, she was my flavor, you know, pale right here. You know, she was my flavor. But I'm like, yo, I wouldn't date this woman. She's trying to kill me, man. Like, Maybe she wanted him to go out with a bang. <laughs> Quite, yes. 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 She wanted him to go out with a bang in more ways than one. <laughs> and you know, back then, though, if I'm Doc Holliday... I might say F it and just live fast and die young. Yeah. People didn't live long back then. Yeah, because he he was only 36 when he died anyway. Yeah, I'm like, bro, so, I might just ride to the wheel. F it, yeah. bro. I'm gambling, drinking, smoking, banging hookers or whatever. That's And at that point, he would have had TB for... 15 plus years. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like 20 so he, years. So he had already beat the odds at that yeah, point. Yeah, he really, yeah. That dude should have died at 21 at, yeah. the, at the latest. Yeah. So yeah, TV yeah. was killing dudes, man. That Oh, that sucks, man. It's crazy. Like, I'm glad the TV shot quite works well these days. Yeah. Um, you know, they give that to you when you're a kid. But Val Kilmer, him and, so I'm going to talk a little bit more. If you, look. If you ain't seen Tombstone, just watch it. It's a fun little quick bang em up two hours. You'll have a great time. 
if you're a cinephile though you're gonna have notes you're gonna have <laughs> you know critique notes and yeah. that's totally normal but val kilmer and kurt russell is the reason this movie flowed the way it did kurt russell so they pretty much fired a lot of people there was major conflicts with the director kurt russell pretty much ghost directed a lot of this movie him and val kilmer stayed up long nights rewriting scenes and really they both did mm -hmm. wow and they both contributed a lot to getting this film done kurt russell being the stand-up guy he is sacrificed a lot of his own lines, screen time and glory in favor of val kilmer's character because everyone believed so strongly in his character and they were like dude he's gonna be the vehicle to drive the film they everyone involved understood what it took to make this a good film and people i think were unselfish about it and i think that is beautiful that a lot of in a lot of these actors in this movie we're not talking about first or second timers we got some heavy hitters with val bill um kurt um sam elliott like yeah. he got some heavy like michael bean like dude even powers, powers booth, booth. Yeah. yeah i was like he, he was great in there and he's actually a good actor he's a really good actor he was great curly bill <laughs> um, yeah. yeah when he shot the old dude the, I'm like, oh. oh smoking opium going and, crazy and and here's the thing you could tell when he shot him even he was surprised. Yeah, he was like, oh, shit, I shot this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was high as hell. Yeah, he was. I, I mean, I ain't never smoked no opium, but I'm guessing you get probably pretty high. Yeah. I mean, you're probably like, probably might do something you don't mean to. I don't know. Yeah. I ain't never done it. Uh, but everyone, I feel like everyone, all the actors, they took it serious. They played the roles best of their abilities everyone gave a good everyone gave a good performance you know i'm i know i'm speaking val up but if you watch the movie you you'll know why but yeah everyone was good and i got everyone says this is just from my own research everyone says kurt russell is the reason this film got finished and um i think it was val kilmer went as far as say he's one of the best men i ever met wow you know? and he seemed really selfless uh in making this film and I've always been a Kurt Russell fan, so you know I'm not shocked to hear stuff like that. Uh, it just makes me like him even more because he is a great actor, and I think he's man he's he's transcended through the decades. You know, seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties. My lord, eighties, Kurt, come on, yeah. And even now, you know, he's having a resurgence. He's been working with Tarantino. Oh, They've yeah. done some awesome stuff. The Hateful Eight is great. You know, freaking Death Proof, Death man. Proof. That movie's all. I don't care what nobody says. Death Proof is freaking dope. Um, hell, even even his little part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's great. Like, you know, I, I love Kurt Russell, and I'm feel awful about Val Kilmer right now and what he's going through. Yeah, I would love to see. Like when I watch Maverick, I really was hoping to get a nice Val performance, but you know, it was good to see him. And you know what? You know? He, it was a nice Val performance. Yeah, though. it was. Cause it was honoring him without, uh, forcing, forcing him, him to, to try to be him. the, the ice man yeah, or whatever, him. but it was still him. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was honoring who he is now mm -hmm. and who he was. Yeah. So it, it kind of, I think it, it balanced. It was a good balance there because then, he didn't have to try to do something that he couldn't do. Yep. He was great. And, yeah. But guys, Tombstone is, you know, I, I look at it like it's a newer movie. It's the nineties. 
and post post 60s i can't think of a ton of great great westerns that came out obviously there were still westerns only like clint eastwood Eastwood westerns pretty much all the 70s good ones were clint and i think josie wales was 70s i think rider there might have been one paul newman one if i'm it was he and the judge roy bean yeah the Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. Yeah, so maybe, I'm pretty sure that was him. So maybe one Paul Newman, but mostly Clint Eastwood. Yeah, mostly Clint. He was pretty much the only thing in Westerns. And then yeah. I think Unforgiving, being as big as it was, kind of sparked a, a, a resurgence a little bit. And I think yeah. Tombstone wouldn't have been able to even get made without Unforgiving coming out yeah. and sweeping up at the Oscars. But honestly, since Tombstone... I think there's only been really two Westerns to come out that I like, and that will be the True Grit remake from the oh, Coens. That's Freaking right. Freaking awesome. That's right. Freaking awesome. And Hell or High Water with Chris Pine and uh, Ben Foster. Oh, yeah. And that's, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> that's right. That movie's awesome. <laughs> I love that film. And and we talk about Logan, though, being basically Logan's a Western. Western. See, yeah. like, Logan's a Western, of course, and there's other like hell solo is like a full western like, oh my uh, god solo. it is that's right. a western like there's westerns that's... to come out i'm sorry you you bring up solo really quick the uh the bad uh angel eyes the way he shoots the guy in the beginning of the movie under the table just yep. like han oh, solo yeah, just like han solo yes. oh yeah i'm yes. george was probably watching that he was like you know let's go ahead and take that yeah. too <laughs> yes that's what i thought of when i saw that yep yeah yeah that's, that's awesome so but you're right I, solo is a western it's a western for yeah. sure um so yeah a lot of a lot of we have westerns that come out there will be bloods a western mm. um uh what's the other one no country for old men yeah no that, country those for are old all men, westerns yeah. as well but like when you think of like Western, Western, like cowboy hats and horses and stuff like that, like the beautiful cinematography, all that, like True Grit's really the only like one I think that I've seen at least. Oh, and um, the assassination of uh, Jesse James. Oh, by Coward. That, that one Robert too. Ford. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'll give those two uh, True Grit and that. I almost forgot about that one. But other than that, like, I mean, you had, you had Django. That's a oh, Western. Yes, Django yeah. is a Western. Tarantino did a couple. He did Django and The Hateful Eight. Those are Westerns too. So you got some. The Hateful Eight is good. I don't love it. I do love Django. And Django is a Western without a doubt. But man, it's like Django just, that goes a little deeper for me. That's a personal love. But, um, you know, we're not in a time though where we're getting Westerns anymore like that. Uh, if, if you do... It's on a smaller scale. Netflix will do some. They did The Power of the Dog with Benedict Cumberbatch, and they did The Harder They Fall. Yeah, The Harder uh, They the Fall. The Concrete yeah. Cowboy, which were – those were all good. They're all good. Yeah. Um, I just don't think any of them capture the magic of the golden era of the Westerns. Yeah. And I think Tombstone was – as much as it's not – you know, as much as it doesn't flow with those films, it's still probably the best thing we've gotten after that. And unfortunately, one of my favorite genres of films is kind of dead. And, you know, we still get them, but it, Westerns, nobody's checking for Westerns. It's not, not the grandeur. It's not the, yeah, it's not. And it, it's falling on a dead genre list. Same thing with comedies, man. Like straight comedies are dying. Yeah. yeah. You, know, they, you might get some on streaming here and there. 
They usually aren't that good. No, that's and, why they're straight to streaming. Yeah. And yeah. then there's how many... It, when's the last time you went and saw straight good comedy in theaters? Like that wasn't a Marvel movie. That wasn't a point. Marvel. That you, you wasn't. Know what I mean? a, yes, they that had was so much straight comedy. comedy. Like, yeah, it was there to make you laugh. God, you know what? I think I think I might be able to answer that. Okay, what you got? My God, I can't think of it. Role Models was probably oh, the that, last that, film that bro, I saw in the theater. That was eight. I know. Is that terrible? Funny. Yeah, but great it's a great, film. Yeah. great film. Love it. So funny. I think Sean it's probably Wim's one of the great. one of the last that I remember actually going to the theater and wanting to see. Mm-hmm. I think the last great great comedy I saw in theaters was Twenty One Jump Street. Wow, with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Yeah, and that's two thousand eleven or twelve. Yeah, oh, that's old. That's over 10 years old. I did like um, Seth Rogen's This Is The End, too. That's funny as hell. Mm-hmm. I did see that in theaters. Um, that's funny. But I don't think people would, would put that in with the greats. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Role Models. I'd say the last one that I've seen in theaters that would be considered classic would be The Hangover. Oh, that was 2009. Oh, nine, bro. Yeah. It's almost 15 years and, old. And both The Hangover and Role Models had Ken John. They both had Ken. They <laughs> did both yes. have Ken John. Yeah. I was think about that. Also in Community, one of the best shows. Yep, Community. That's yeah. like, so. You, wow. know, what, you know what? For next time, we won't tell you guys. We'll discuss this off camera because we yeah. don't want to break any promises. But we should probably, we should probably do a comedy episode and discuss yeah. that and maybe go through Pick three. We could do another three and pick like. We'll think about that. We'll yeah, talk about yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, we guys, were. we kept you for a while today. Wow, we, we did. We talked about some good stuff, but we had a. I think we got a lot accomplished in this conversation. I think you, as a listener, should have a lot to take away from, especially thematically with these films and what they represent and a why they hold their place in history and why it's important to revisit these films. And how they teach us about the world around us that we actually live in. Because, yes, we talk about films which are fictional and it's for our entertainment, but they are rooted in reality for the most part. And most people write these films based on things that have actually happened or things they've actually experienced, which we can relate to. I agree. I mean, I, this is well said. Yeah, right. Hey, I give that an A. Hey, thank you. Oh, we got a great tombstone. Let's grade. Oh yeah, tombstone. it's great tombstone. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give tombstone. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna give it an A minus because although I do love tombstone, it is heavily flawed. But God, the rewatchability of it had to at least get an A minus. But that's what I'm gonna give it. I might give it a B because I realized as you were talking about the death. Of your favorite, one of your favorite genres, mm-hmm. Tombstone may have actually literally been the tombstone on. It might have been the tombstone <laughs> on, on the genre. On the genre, yeah, yeah. It could have been, and and that's terrible. It's terrible, yeah. But if it's like if that's the last film, if that was like the closing of an era, not too bad, not yeah. too shabby. But like I said, guys, Tombstone, it's great. But out of the three films that we named. I think the overall best would be the good, the bad. Oh, my God, yes. And Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach alone. Yes. Eli Wallach and Val Kilmer, they're vehicles for the latter two films we discussed. God, if only they could edit together a Tuco and Doc Holliday film. Oh, my Lord. That'd be freaking <laughs> great. Best movie, best Western ever made. Ever, ever. Ever. <laughs> Watch it every day. Yeah. But all right, guys, I am Dom. I am Jamie. 
This is the cutting room floor. We will see you guys later.